Hello, and welcome to another cast. Podcast, one true chapter by chapter podcast, going through a song of ice and fire one chapter week. But definitely not here, not this week at least. I'm your host, Jeff, there's the fish. And I'm your other host, Emmett, better known as Poor Quentin. And welcome to our special, not Patreon, our special episode titled JokerCast, in which we pay respect to the greatest artwork of our era, the hero that we all deserve as Americans, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Oh my God. Masterpiece or just the greatest film of all time? Your take. I liked it. That's the most (laughs) dramatic thing I can possibly say about, about this movie. I thought it was good. I'm so glad it exists. Look look at your evolution from being like a Snyder hater <laughs> to a Snyder <laughs> liker. It's um, true. True. I think I, I've, I've seen that like all over like the timeline and like every like review that I've read of this movie so far. It's like it's, it's like the gear shifting is like you can hear it's audible. Mm. Like as everyone goes, oh, maybe we like, you know, uh, uh, overreacted too much to this guy's previous movies. Or even if not that, maybe maybe we should give credit to this one at least. Which is, is is an interesting phenomenon. There's, I think, you know, so so much of the discourse surrounding this movie uh, <laughs> is is even denser than the and, and longer and more exhausting than the movie itself. Somehow, somehow, somehow it is. But it, it it is really interesting to talk about like the timeline, not the timeline, but about the the cultural appreciation for Zack Snyder as as an artist in, in 2021. And I think it's interesting because like it, this year, you know, the past year has been really terrible around the world for, for a variety of reasons, but mostly because of the pandemic. But this has also allowed Zack Snyder to have the time to actually finish the, the Snyder Cut and to kind of like make this a thing that actually happens. And it's interesting to see how how, how the culture has reacted to, to this, because I think you're right in that um, people are, are appreciating Zack Snyder as an artist more, especially with the, with the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And I'm... I don't know. It's it's interesting to me. I've always liked Zack Snyder as an artist, but I know that he's not exactly popular among the quote unquote nerd crew of of, the, of fandoms around the world. I think it was a combination of a couple of things. Some of which I think is legit in retrospect, and some of which isn't. Legit is the you know it's just like that you can tell that he used to make music videos and perfume commercials, and not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that, but like. David Fincher, I think, is an example of someone who kind of fully made the leap. And by the time you get to a later movie like Zodiac or The Social Network, it's, you know, it's all very handsome and cinematic and proper and refined at that point. And Zack Snyder, for better or worse, just has never gotten there. This might be as close as he's gotten, and it's four hours long. And it's just <laughs> like that. It's the the intense overexertion combined with what it seems like zero irony that I think is is like designed to put a lot of people off. And I think that's fine. I think less legit... And I think I've indulged in this sometimes, and a lot of people made it their whole no. thing, is the the pot shots of, like, you know, Zack Snyder is, like, an Ayn Rand conspiracy theorist, <laughs> quasi-fascist. Like, that stuff, you know, that stuff was always kind of ridiculous. And especially if you look at interviews with Zack Snyder, A, he's he's a dude who really loves movies and has, mm. I think, a really good taste in movies and a wide variety and, a, you know, broad-ranging taste in movies, but also, like... Zack Snyder is a dude who just like really loves technology and superhero bodies and really isn't thinking super, super, super deeply <laughs> about whether they represent the degradation of the American soul in the way that he's using them. I mean, you know, he's wanted to do an adaptation of uh, The Fountainhead 
for a while and you know when asked about it he said because he thinks it's, it's it's a crazy story about art and sex and wild and being on your own and he doesn't he thinks he thinks that the political angle is something people make too much of it which i don't think mm. is an accurate read of ayn rand but <laughs> it is her best novel type... it's her best novel right oh definitely like, like, like atlas, atlas shrugged garbage, yikes but like it, it, the fountain is actually genuine not literature right. but it's her best novel that she's ever written and i think you can yeah no i totally agree and i think you can see with this movie as well and his other movies that he he really just sincerely loves the idea of the individual getting out there and doing doing their own thing and it's easy to read political stuff into that but he's not doing that so there 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 comes a point where it's just silly to to pretend that Zack Snyder it really is like you know the the darkening of our soul as far as Hollywood is concerned. And I think also, you know, yeah. that, that starts to look even silly in retrospect compared to, you know, Disney, who, like, actually is blackening the American soul and right. doing it with a big smiley face the entire time. So, you know, I think I, I, I think th- uh, those combination of discourses, I think, produced how we th- how we talked about Zack Snyder in the past and how that's slightly starting to change now. And all, all that has nothing to do with the quality of his films and whether you like that or not, but I think those that's all revolving around it. Yeah, and I think, like, too, like, God, we're already going political here for this movie. I, I think, like, the the MCU, which I, I like many of the movies and, and really like some of them, um, you know, they've, they've had, like, like kind of, like, um, they put a facade of, like, progressivism over top of, like, many of their, like, characters, right? I mean, but, it, like, I think of, like, a character like uh, like Captain Marvel, who got a lot of, like, shitty, like, misogynistic criticism about her being a, a woman superhero <laughs> which obscured like the greater like the actual deeper criticism which was the glorification of the militarism behind you know that right. and like the working with the United right. States Air Force United States military um to to kind of make this movie a, as a real thing you know it's it's almost like it's it's like an optics thing when we come to like superheroes we talk about these characters and we we look at like just like the surface level things like ah obviously she's saying the right things but at the same time, or not she just, but but all these characters are saying the right things. At the same time, though, they're they're working as glorified advertisements for recruitment of young Americans into the into the armed services, which again is not, you know, as someone who was recruited to the American armed services, I, I don't necessarily want to be like the the person be like, <laughs> aha, like that's so wrong, you should never do that, like that's evil or anything like that, because I would be criticizing myself, and I could never do that. Certainly, never once. But no, I mean, I think there is, I think. I think there definitely is, as people have pointed out, there is kind of a uh, kind of a weird thing in certain MCU movies where the plot is geared around the government being the bad guys, but you can't actually let that lead you to the conclusion that the villain has a point. And that's not just a Marvel problem; that's often just a big movie problem. But like, yeah, and like Black Panther, where like the plot is geared around, hey, isn't isn't it horrible when? Governments hoard resources, and when people don't get what they need, and that's worked out in a caste system, but you still have to have the one nice CIA guy who's there to help fly the drones. Because you can't actually make a movie at that level that pisses off DoD that much. And, you know, the DC movies certainly aren't immune to that. Man of Steel was was made with Pentagon money, and the advertising campaign certainly reflects that. But... Yeah, there is there is a there is a weird contradiction that that that, that comes up with some of those movies, and the, and but it's all all of a tangle because as you say, there's there's genuinely like horrible stuff being thrown at that actress, and that that mm-hmm. comes up with the DC movies too, where you know, are we do we cheer an example of a director coming getting to come back to make a, a complete and I think better version of his movie. Or do we think about the means by which many of his fans, you know, yeah. got that point across, which was just endlessly loud and full of harassment and full of a lot of 
a lot of like, you know, misogynistic and racist stuff, which is, you know, and then you have to reflect that with the final product, which is, I think, oddly kind of progressive in its own right. So it's just it's it's very complicated. It's it's super complicated. And I think that's a great way to like look at look, look at culture. Right. I think so many people want to look at like the surface level stuff of like it it checks these boxes, right? It checks the feminism box, it checks the progressive like racial politics box. But at the same time, like it, cinema is supposed to be compl- complex and complicated and it's supposed to like right. make us think and also also be contradictory at the same time too, where you can right. have an MCU movie that both criticizes colonialism as well as, you know, has a good CIA guy at the same time. Exactly. Right? You know, because yeah. because it's, it's yeah. not like just no, like true. binary of like good, bad, right? It's also like people, people, because because people are not just no, binary, good or bad. They're complex. And I think that's that's a, a good way to at least evaluate movies that we see on screen. I completely agree. And I think, you know, when you're talking specifically about a movie, it's like it's always like how successful is it getting across in movie language? And so for me, the problem with the Black Panther stuff isn't it? Haha, you're a hypocrite. It's more like it's kind of graceless how it's handled. Mm. He's just kind of there and like the interest in like the more kind of nuanced character stuff. And then, oh, it's Martin Freeman pushing a button. It's like, oh, so this is the part they made you include. And right. that's you know, like the 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 art of movie making is in large part like you know sweeping everything together and makes it makes it look like you uh, you you intended to do it all, and I think the there's there's stuff that that struck me more kind of gracefully watching this movie mm-hmm. like there's the there's the as as many people have talked about obviously cyborg is the kind of the, the 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 heart of this movie and a lot of his stuff was quite politically blunt without drawing a huge amount of attention to itself and without reaching beyond its grasp and becoming pretentious and i thought i thought i thought that worked really effectively but we're uh, we're obviously getting uh, already <laughs> to the specifics here so um talking about justice league obviously the joss whedon version of this came out in 2017 uh zack snyder uh, reportedly stepped away from this in uh the wake of his daughter's suicide and uh, there has been much speculation about whether that was genuinely the source of whether he stepped away, about whether the, the suits used as an excuse. We don't know. And, you know, it's certain, I think it's ghoulish to speculate too much. What is definitely clear yeah. is that after Zack Snyder stepped away, what ended up happening to his movie was considerably beyond what he intended or wanted because they ended up using basically none of what he shot in his intended form, but ended up rematting and compositing a lot of it, changing the color grade. Joss Whedon wrote a ton of jokes that they would just drop into scenes. A lot of the more elaborate action scenes and backstory were cut, and overall lengthwise it was uh, less than half of the original version. Reportedly, Zack Snyder never saw the Joss Whedon version. Hmm. Like Christopher Nolan. To. Yeah, Christopher Nolan went to see it and said, yeah, you should not not go see that. <laughs> uh, you know, a marker of sure the lesser content, but also I just think just the the amount of work that he and his collaborators have put into it and then just the emotions involved with his family of stepping away. Yeah. Um, but, um, so I, so I saw the Joss Whedon movie when it came out and I swear I rewatched it with Chloe a couple years ago. I swear that happened, but I don't, <laughs> I don't remember it at all. And you, you have not seen it. Is that correct? So that's, that, that is correct. So good. When, when, so I, I'll out myself here. I was, I was, I've, I've been a, a Zack Snyder fan for, for a while. I'm, I've never been like a release the Snyder cat hashtag guy on, on Twitter. Cause uh, those people are kind of suck a lot. Um, but I also recognize that he has a, a vision in, in terms of his movies. And I was not offended necessarily that they took away the movie from Zack Snyder to give it to Joss Whedon. But at the same time, as an artist, you kind of, feel for for him for because this movie was basically just like 
completely like stripped of all the things that he he had put into it. So when the when the original movie was released in 2017, I did not see it uh, for a few reasons. One, I was I was a very new parent. I had a three or four month old. Uh, well six or seven month old at the time. Um, so that was that was one, that was probably the primary reason. But at the same time, I also felt, and I was reading like the reviews and seeing that I was not getting a necessarily a positive reaction. And and I, I did notice something, and I'll ask you, I'll bring this up, kick it back over to you. I did notice that there was a big change in the marketing of like the movie, like the original, the original movie, Man of Steel, and then Batman versus Superman were very, like, very much within like the DCEU of like dark, gritty, color grading to like gray and black. And then all of a sudden, Justice League came, came along with Joss Whedon, and it's suddenly like, ah, we have these neon colors that are out there. And I, I felt like that was a very strong contrast between the two previous movies. And the reviews were also coming back and saying that it was not very good. So I said, uh, this is probably not for me. I'm also going to, I'm also a father here as well. So I don't necessarily really want to necessarily see this. But at the same time, I'm curious, like, what your impressions of the movie were when you watched it originally. And I know, like, you say you've you're coming around on Zack Snyder that that you're now a, a, a Snyder stan, and I've seen you like you know tweet the hashtag release the Snyderverse. I think that's the new one, right? That's coming out these days that their their people are doing. No, I'm kidding. You're not actually bless, doing that, bless them. I would be them. fine. Which, with what that. you think? Let let him keep going. Yeah. Um. Uh, I, I I barely remember it, which is just not a good sign. It, it's 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 yes. one of those movies that I think is just it's just barely a movie in the way like the that second Fantastic Beasts movie was just barely a movie, <laughs> and it was just like like again like there was just no attempt to hide the thumbprints and the seams and the way that just nothing nothing was coherent, and the the reshot stuff was painfully obvious and without any skill and. Uh, Joss Whedon, I've kind of had the opposite like arc as compared to Zack Snyder because I used to really like uh, Firefly and Buffy and a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And looking back, it's so clear that he only knows how to write one type of character, which is just him. And just all of his characters are just him and always speak like him, even when it's not appropriate. And there's there's still certain bits in Firefly I like, but I, I rewatched some of it and like I was, I was given this. I was looking at this through rose-colored glasses in terms of the, the, the quality of the writing here. Buffy, I haven't revisited. I think a lot of that probably still works. But his, his superhero movies, once you once the, the novelty wears off, do not hold up. And I think it, it's clear on this one that he was just his, 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 his bag of tricks in terms of... You know, I don't blame him for the, the mauling of the movie. That was the studio. But the, the, the quality of his, his rewriting is terrible. And the actors look yeah. em- embarrassed to be back there. And... From what we can gather, especially Ray Fisher, were embarrassed specifically on Zack Snyder's behalf that th- that this was happening, and it's I mean, just that Whedon comes through to the shit, audience right, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and and also Joss Whedon seems personally like a horrible, so that didn't help. And, and I do remember in 2016 that that article came out that was written by his, his ex wife about like him taking advantage of, of of women that he worked with, and that. I'm not saying it influenced my decision, like primarily not to see the version, but that came up before the movie actually released. And so like, I kind of like looked askance at like the, you know, Joss Whedon, I mean, you remember this, like I, I super remember this from like the, the aughts, like Joss Whedon is like the feminist, the, the male feminist guy who's out there like making movies for like women and stuff like that. And I'm, yeah. And when you read like the article that came out in 2016, you're like realizing that this was just part of the marketing ploy for him to actually appeal to a, to a wider audience. And that tended to like make me be like, I don't really want to see stuff that he did. And it did make me recontextualize like Firefly, like you were saying, like I, I've been rewatching some of Firefly as well recently. And I'm like, mm, 
some of this stuff just doesn't really like hit. And again, part of it is that it's 2002 when Firefly comes out. It was written 2001. Oh, sure. at, but at the same time, like it, it's it's trying. How do how do I put this like politely yet impolitely at the same time? It's trying to like. It's trying. It's trying to be something, right? Ex- explicitly on the page, as opposed to like actually like meaning something. Does, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. There is this. There is this like constant like sense of scare quotes hanging around Joss Whedon's writing, where he's it's just too cool for school. Always. It's like it's. I mean, Aaron Sorkin has the same problem, but like with also a thesaurus jammed up his ass, and you know, Joss Whedon doesn't have, quite have that same problem. But yeah, and also just. Look, I think one of the things I've gradually realized as I've gotten older is that it's just not a not a coincidence that that guys with those kind of creepy attitudes show up and, and at the height of industries. It's they they go there because they know that that's where how they'll get away with it. Like they dedicate themselves, their careers to moving up in the ranks, so then they can do whatever they want. Like that's what became mm. really clear to me with Bill Cosby when I was reading about all that. It's like God, this is why he made himself so famous and so cuddly and so perfect because then you're hmm. untouchable and you know i think so so many people in the film industry in one way or another abuse their power in ways you get to know about or not and we obviously i'm not on set i never learned things but from everything that zack snyder's collaborators have said he's one of the more genuinely decent guys in the industry and that right. i think that start that starts to count for something eventually like obviously i'm not gonna stop Seeing movies made by terrible people because, <laughs> just you know, my favorite director is Woody Stanley Allen Kubrick. Exists, and, right? What do you exists in the right? My favorite director is Stanley Kubrick, and Stanley Kubrick was a monster on the direct on the set of The mm-hmm. Shining. Like maybe should have been put in jail. Awful to to his to his actors. Should still that, be in jail. Yeah, yeah right. Should, is what it is. But um, you know, I think so. I, I give points to Snyder in that regard because it's so visible with this movie. Like what Ray Fisher has said about how kind of, like, racist and awful Whedon was. And that's it's clear in the cut of the movie, because, like, Ray Fisher's story is reduced to nothing. There were so many, like, Amazons of color in the Snyder Cut that are nowhere in the Whedon version. It's, like, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to personally allege anything against anybody, but it's it seems like maybe some interests were taken, and, oh, this might not appeal to a wide audience, and Snyder was the one willing to take that risk. So I give him, I give him points for that, too. And, and I think you're right. I think Zack Snyder, you could disagree with his stated love for Ayn Rand's material or you can disagree with like the way that he he, he puts and you should obviously I mean don't, don't get me wrong in, in the early 2000s I was the guy who was reading Atlas Shrugged and be like this makes a lot of sense like I should think a more a little bit more about this but in, in my in my later later years I've, I've found uh, found right many things to dislike about that and but I, at but, the same time and think, like and that can and that's a process you can go through but I think if you are a, a sex pest who takes advantage of your connections with producers to take over movies like that doesn't get cured you know what I mean no. I think like self-satisfied libertarianism I think is a forgivable sin because it's something you can grow out of <laughs> I think what's wrong with Joss Whedon is just wrong. So like, and that was, you know, this is not the most important thing about the movies. It's just, it's just very noticeable when you, when you put this in context with how the, how the first one was released. And, you know, I honestly kind of teared up when I was watching it last night. And at the very end of the movie, it says for Autumn, which of course was the Zack Snyder's daughter who, who, you know, committed suicide. And, um, you know, I, I, I I have a hard time. You know, look, looking at, at Zack Snyder as I mean, I like I said, I, I enjoy his material, but I also see that there's 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 an actual human, yes. you know, there, right? 
And like him and his wife have adopted like half of the children that they have there are ones they've adopted. And I think like I didn't know about that until the press for this. Yeah, that's that's why right? that's great. Yeah, it's super it's super laudable for uh, for him to, to for him to have done that. And, and I, you know, I applaud him. And I, and I think regardless of like a silly movie that we love or hate or find something in between, you know, you, you could appreciate the guy that the, that that is the people that are. Excuse me. The people that are that are doing the movie, especially Zack Snyder, who thinks seems like an actual decent human being, and that's that's great. I love it. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Damn right. So, with with drink in hand. By the way, as as you can see with our drink titles, I went. I I I know Jeff was going to be drinking some IPAs and such, so I decided to go with the the opposite possible uh, drink <laughs> that I could go with is vodka, Lacroix, and frozen berries made by Chloe for me because she's the best. So. Chloe is the best, and I uh, I am drinking a Resurrection Ale because appropriate you know, spoilers. I, well, we should just say like uh, spoilers for anything and everything for for the Justice League, right? Precisely, um, precisely. Three, two, one. So if if you are not have not or don't care about spoilers, great. If you do care about spoilers, you should probably hit the hit the X button on on this one. But yes, yeah, so Resurrection Ale, I got this one specifically because. The middle part of the movie is the resurrection of Superman, which uh, which occurs as a uh, as a major plot point um, in the movie, and it's also it's really perfect. delicious and also 12, 12 or thirteen percent alcohol. That looks good. Mm, um, dang, yeah, it's tasty. Yeah. So yeah, so so the obviously the other m- major thing besides the the kind of terrible humor and behind the scenes shenanigans of the original Justice League is just that it looked awful. Just you could tell that it, they were just hastily redoing scenes. And Joss Whedon's style is, uh, it looks like television is the most polite way I can put it about Joss Whedon's visual style. <laughs> like it's just the least cinematic thing imaginable. So that, that of course, makes makes quite the contrast with a Zack Snyder style, which is the most cinematic thing imaginable. Sometimes way, way too cinematic. But... That is that is of course one thing that, uh, that 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 jumped out immediately about this movie is that like okay I, wow I can totally tell this is this is a Zack Snyder movie and it's working mm-hmm. the style worked better for me than in most of his movies I, I think in part because mm. the scenes were so long and taking their time and in part I don't know just everything there wasn't too many things cluttering up the frame and it just felt like the camera work was really smooth it just it all felt just so professional like there were there was a couple of dodgy effects that you could tell like oh they couldn't quite complete that but for the most part i thought this looked this looks so much like a complete movie better than most and and i agree and this is something we're going to talk about in our, our patreon episode about man of steel which is going to come out for all of our five dollar above patrons called already dead in which like so much of what let's not like what snyder films is really well done i i, I think especially in this movie like you feel like i i can follow the action without it being like headaching like I'll, I'll talk about this when we get we talk about man of steel for for our patrons but when i first saw this in theaters like i was just like i had a headache when i walked out of the theaters like in, in 2013 i did not have a headache when i finished watching this movie in 2021 on i, I started i started on my uh my big screen tv and then i moved transitioned my lap my laptop and, and watched it in bed because it was like it was like one o'clock in the morning by the time i finished last night but i i, I appreciated the, what was seen there I, I guess like the thing i the thing i this is my biggest criticism and this comes from any of the movies whether it's man of steel batman versus superman or even justice league it's like the battle scenes are just there's although you say like that there's there's things that are happening that you can actually like determine what's happening on screen 
the battle scenes are the ones where I just feel like there is like a lot of things that are being thrown thrown at you at the same time. And I kind of like start to lose like the sense of like the momentum. But the great thing about Justice League, not to skip all the way to the end, is that you have the character of the Flash, which slows everything down. Sure, right? sure. He's moving so fast. So Zach's, it's it's. I think it's like just it's an understated brilliance of the narrative that you have this character that can like put everything into slow mo. So you you can actually see how people are reacting to things, and the camera is operating around this guy and. I think a really lovely thing that that Snyder does and to get to the middle of the movie is when when Superman returns that you have the Flash like running like as as fast as he is and you have Clark Kent like reacting to him and like watching him at the same time. I thought that was just a brilliant touch in in terms of how the film uh, how the camera moves. And it, it's good and and I and I really enjoy it. So I I I love it. And, I, and I'm curious like uh yeah, I, yeah, I, I just loved it. <laughs> I did too. I, yeah, that scene. Yeah, that that scene was in a shortened, truncated, color graded to hell version in the Joss Whedon. You, you can't can't uh, couldn't cut out that that bit where where Superman moves as fast as the Flash. That's irresistible. That's just such, such a perfect comic book moment where the Flash realizes, oh right, he's Superman. Like you know, yeah. everyone else is in slow mo to me now when I'm in my powers, but he can move as fast as I can. He sees exactly what I'm doing. And just, you know, a great way to establish Superman is just the, the, the combination of all their powers. Perfect uh, comic book team moment. But yes, yeah, so so Superman comes back towards the middle of the movie, but it starts <laughs> uh, with Superman's death. I, I correct myself. It starts with Superman's death scream carried out over the course of five minutes, covering mm-hmm. the entire planet, reaching every mm-hmm. civilization and main character. And this is just... Uh, th- this This is the kind of thing where it's like you... You just gotta let your freak flag fly. Just like embrace your style so much that no one, because that's that's the most Zack Snyder thing imaginable to start your movie with is elongated death scream. That's just it's so so, bold. It's so bold, and it's like the the easy thing to tag that as it's like it's grim, that's dark, and it is. But part of the weird thing with 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 Zack Snyder, like compared to like Christopher Nolan, because Christopher Nolan is like you know that's that's when I think of like grim, gray, steel Batman, and Zack Snyder has that to a certain extent. But he also does love like big explosions of color and lots of weird little details. Mm. So it is just this. It's such a such a weird tone mix. But it's it, yeah, it's right there at the end of uh, Batman v Superman, the climax of Batman v Superman, where he gets he gets stabbed by the cave troll from Lord of the Rings, uh, aka Doomsday, the 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 <laughs> Frankenstein monster made by Lex Luthor. And uh, okay. yes, yeah, it starts with his his blood on the spear, just in case the. Case, case the Christian metaphors weren't quite getting through. Let's right. start right here with the, I mean, with the uh, wound. It's great. I mean, like all, all you like fucking godless people out there, like don't realize that like on, on the cross, Christ was pierced by the spear, and the, which was driven through by by the Roman centurion. There's Roman Even soldier. I know that. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not godless because you have an education in these these things. So I'm just talking about all the audience <laughs> out there. Fair. That's fair. The heathens. I understand. Yeah, you're not. You, I don't. You're among the chosen. That's what I have to say. Well, that's very sweet. But anyway, anyway, what were you, wait, <laughs> anyways, what were you no, no, no. no I, I think it's really good that we start with the events from the end of Batman versus Superman, which was a movie that is much, much less critically loved than than either Man of Steel or or this movie for obvious reasons and again some unfair reasons as we talked about at the at the start of the podcast, but. But yeah, so so we 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 are introduced again to these these characters 
and these different like societies, the Atlanteans, the Amazonians, and of course the humans. And I think it's an interesting way to to do that. And I I know a lot of people don't like the opening part of Justice League, the Zack Snyder's version. We have the shockwave going out and hitting every single person there. But I think it is actually somewhat effective in talking about the it introducing these new types of people because at this point in 2017 when Zack Snyder was originally going to release this movie we had not had a Wonder Woman movie we had not had Aquaman so like it it's 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 showing us that events from Batman versus Superman and from Man of Steel are impacting various people which again is something that George, not George <laughs> that 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 Zack Snyder is wanting to do you know he started Batman versus Superman with events from the end of Man of Steel and the massive right. battle between General Zod and, and Superman and having that ripple out to the conflict between Batman and Superman. And and I think it's generally effective to quickly introduce these people, at least in image and in visual. And then later on, we're going to get more of their story. Uh, however much, however much that's not necessarily super fleshed out because that does get fleshed out in Aquaman and in, uh, and in Wonder Woman, the, the, the original movie that is. You make a great point. I have to. I have to keep resetting. Like, oh right, we don't. We didn't have an Aquaman movie yet. So technically, this is our introduction to that stuff in this universe. Like, that's that's kind of the the mantle this has to take on. And yeah, I I um I think it's I think it's effective at, at reminding you where all these these characters are and, and and everything that's still to come. And it yeah, like you say, yeah, it is very similar to how Batman v Superman starts. I mean, it starts with the the uh the death of Bruce Wayne's parents, which I know everyone complains about that. Like, oh, you're gonna start another Batman movie with the death of Bruce Wayne's parents? Like, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of the whole thing. That's the whole thing with Batman. You but he really, does it really, I, you, you know, he does it really well do in Batman it. versus Superman because yeah, it's, it's not it's not like frankly. like Batman versus you know Batman Begins. As much as I fucking love that movie, like I literally saw the movie like seven times in theater. I kept mm-hmm. taking new like new sets of friends ah, to go see the movie like, back in like 2005. Um, I, I love how how Snyder like is like okay we're gonna do with this like in a prologue similar to the Watchmen. You even have like the slow motion shots and the that's image true. of the pearls and things like that. That's it, good he point. does it in a way that's like unique and like stays with you even if the rest of the movie is you know kind of a convoluted mess. But like the the prologue works really really well similar to how everyone if you don't like the movie Watchmen from from two thousand nine really loves like the the prologue version of, oh, of, of Watchmen, um, which is which is really really good. Sorry, I interrupt you. Go on. No, yeah, I, 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 it's. I think that you know, complaint is kind of silly because you can't have a Batman story without focusing on the Wayne parents. Like that's one of the problems with the MCU version of Spider-Man is there's no Uncle Ben. And right. look, Tom Holland is chirpy and cute, but Spider-Man as a character <laughs> is meaningless if you don't have Uncle Ben's death and that giving the weight to great power and great responsibility. Like that's that's not just incidental. That's the whole point of the character and that's the same thing with batman and the parents but yeah so batman batman v superman starts with that with the death of his parents and then shifts into the end of man of steel from his perspective and the end of man of steel yep. is you know 9 11 times a thousand as superman and zod fly around uh, hey, metropolis great team america reference <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's a uh, it's you know we'll talk about it when we get to man of steel but um batman v superman mm-hmm. it's entirely from bruce's perspective and it's you know the destruction is horrible and that's what leads him to hate superman and that's effective and that is something that Zack snyder clearly has looked at from comics because that's the constant thing in comic books is because the story is never ending you're always starting your stories with what happened last time from a different perspective so now we can keep the story going like that's a that's a constant thing comic books are doing and that he clearly wanted to revive that and yeah same thing happens here in justice league we start with that and that is it's a it 
like you're saying, it introduces everybody, and it nicely thematically establishes that, you know, everyone's going to be established by death. That's going to be the big thing in the movie. That's everyone's going to be bound together by grief for Superman and grief for their own people in their own lives, and we're all we're all going to be we're all going to be dealing with that. And that again is, is it's 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 a tone thing, and I totally get. There's just no irony in starting off your movie with a slow mo death <laughs> scream. Like if if you if you mm-hmm. need Thor to wink at you in voiceover at the start of, and I like Thor Ragnarok too. I love Thor Ragnarok. That's my easily I think the MCU's best movie. But that movie right from the start tells you you don't have to take this too seriously. Thor is in a cage talking to a skeleton and it's cute. And if you need that to get into this kind of movie, you are you, there's just no no foothold for you in the opening of Justice League. This is serious. This is death and you will take it as such or get out. Well, okay, That's it. so, it's a gauntlet being thrown down. Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely is a gauntlet that's being thrown down. But at the same time, like, did people, like, react against, like, Snyder's vision because he's genuinely earnest about these types of things? Like, that he's not, like, winking at the audience or lampshading, like, his work. And it's, like, being, like, no, actually, I want you to, like, to, like, actually take this world seriously. Like, you are supposed to, like, be in this world. I am taking you on a journey through my imagination. And that tends to be why people may not like him because like everyone loves the MCU because it's so like kind of light and being like, yeah, we're all winking at the audience and we all, you know, don't, don't, t- don't take this super seriously until you get to, I guess, to infinity war. But like, even you know, then, it's, it's, you know, infinity war. Right. Yeah. Like it has like everyone dies at the end. Yeah. But even then for the most part, like infinity war is still full of like, they're joking with Thanos, like Dr. Strange says right. when Thanos shows up. Oh yeah. You're definitely a Thanos. Can you imagine any line like that? In, in this version no. of, the, of the Justice League. No, and that's you know, that's not making fun of the MCU. It's their own brand. But yeah, that's why they're... I think that's why... I think you're totally right. I think that's why people react so harshly to these movies in, in large part because they just... They want that. And it's just not that at all. And they, they can't have that because this is Zack Snyder who's very serious and is very much like... His entire oeuvre is taking these you know intellectual properties from 300 to Watchmen... And just interpreting it very like from from page from pain to to screen, as I was talking about uh, on Twitter earlier. So so I'm I'm curious. So we we have in in this movie we have an extended backstory about Darkseid and Steppenwolf and these different characters and why they're invested in Earth. And to me, this is just me talking. I found this to be some of the weakest material in the movie because I didn't really care about like that Steppenwolf was seeking redemption from not exterminating Earth back in the day. I didn't care that Darkseid was had conquered 100,000 worlds before we got here. And I'm, and I'm curious, is it because they're CGI characters and my mind realizes <laughs> that they're fake? Or is it the fact that the story is underwritten? What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think the villains are probably the weakest part of the movie. I'm fine with it because they... Uh, I don't think they were trying to make them any particularly deeper than they were, but yeah, I mean, st- like they gave Steppenwolf a little, a little bit, like yeah, he's oh, like just like the heroes, he too has family issues and he too has something he wants to get back. That's supposed to be the parallel. It's you know, it's pretty, it's pretty skin deep. Um, it's just, it's the pleasure with those. I think is just like hearing names like Desaad and the word parademons said very, very seriously. <laughs> Like, there's, there's a certain pleasure that you get from that, even though I don't know how much Zack Snyder is in on that pleasure. Because that's, like, the big question with a movie like 300, which is a movie, mm. like, I half adore and half despise. 
Because, like, mm-hmm. ideologically, that shit's indefensible, especially coming out when it did. Like, you may as well just, like, fly the flag for an invasion of Iran while you're at it. But, as, but like, in terms of filmmaking, it's impeccable. And there's a level of extreme, extreme gay camp to 300 that I don't know is intentional, but is so strong that it's impossible to ignore. And there's, there's certain elements of that, too, um, with, like, with the villains in a movie like Justice League. Whereas how... Like when when Steppenwolf takes off his armor and he's just got the big ear horns. That's that's just his head. Like, does Zack Snyder think that's awesome or hilarious or both? I don't know that it matters really, but it's just like mm-hmm. that's one of those things where like, oh, dude, is this is is this a? I can't tell if this is a joke or not. But yeah, no, I agree. It's like it's you know, Dark Side wants the anti-life equation so he can rule over all life, which you know, you know. Simply wanting to, to to dominate things, I think, is not a particular interesting villain motivation. I think you have to. I mean, I think you have to be you have to be crazy or or weird in some way to make that work. You know, they gave Thanos his like Malthusian thing in the Avengers right. movies, where he's like, I, "It's about resources," which I think is kind of stupid too. I it think so I, I like comic Thanos, where his thing is he wants to fuck the literal personification of death. Like that's. That's a relatable motivation, especially since in the MCU, Wait, the goddess of death? death is played by Kate Blanchett. Like, oh, so okay, yeah, like that. They should have just yeah, done that's that. Fair. Yeah, that's yeah. a motivation where you can all get behind. But like, you know, com- as I was saying earlier, the problem yeah. with comic book villains is is either they're cartoon characters like they are in this movie or they have a point. And that's that's a problem story wise. Like Killmonger has a point. For two thirds of Black Panther, mm. so then he needs to immediately the stop hero. having a point, Sorry. right? He needs to immediately decide. Actually, I uh, want to kill everyone. Yep, that's been the whole plan this whole time. So now you can safely <laughs> hate me again. Which I, you know, I sympathize because yeah. you—they have to lose. That's the genre, and you have to feel good about it. So I, you know, the easy way to do that is to just make them cartoon characters, and that—that that does. But I, you know, I, the only part I really liked with the villains was when. Steppenwolf says, like, oh, I will do this, and then my boss will remember my purpose. And then they cut to Bruce Wayne shaving himself with a Gillette razor, <laughs> which is a visual joke is just great, because, like, that's self-aware. Okay, Steppenwolf looks like a razor. But also, like, that's all you are, Steppenwolf to Darkseid. You're just a razor to him. You're just, like, Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne's razor. He's, you're just a little tool. I like that bit. But otherwise, yeah. Eh, 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 I'm not there for the villains. So. I, I what, will say this so, when yeah, we talk so, about... No, I, I would say this when we talk about Man of Steel, but I, I'm curious whether this is intentional on Zack Snyder's part or whether, like, you are, because you're a smart man, um, that you are reading a lot of brilliance into what might not actually be super brilliant or all that deep. <laughs> yeah, Man of Steel, as I've been rewatching it, Man of Steel is, a, is again, another situation where it's like, this is, this is touching on so much so quickly, and it's not really explored, but it is, it, is, it is trying for a lot of things. And I do like Zod in that movie as a villain. Mostly because I love Michael Shannon as an mm-hmm. actor. He's one of my favorites. And because my, my dream fan cast is Michael Shannon as Stannis. And Michael Shannon, oh, God, in, yes. Michael Shannon in Man of Steel is as, kind of as close as I've gotten to Michael Shannon as Stannis. Because he's kind yes. of acting like Stannis. He's like very brittle and resentful and half relatable, but also half terrifying. So like that's... I kind of have to return to Man of Steel for that because it's as close as I can get to my to my beloved Michael Shannon Stannis. Um, mm. But yeah, but yeah, it's Man beautiful. of Steel. You make it like it almost seems like he's making fun of it. You're right because Man of Steel, he's clearly trying to make Zod an interesting villain. And even Batman v mm-hmm. Superman, like I get why people don't like Jesse Eisenberg's performance, but it, they're trying to make Lex Luthor something unpredictable and weird and attention grabbing. Whereas in this movie, it's very here's 
here's the guy to punch. Here's the guy that we will all be punching soon. <laughs> right. Oh boy, can't you wait for Superman to come back to punch him? It's simplistic. It's you know, it's not trying to be any, anything more than it is. But yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 one of the one of the weaker aspects. I think it is a weak, one of the weaker aspects, and I, and I think too you have these kind of um, the the things they have to have, which of course are the mother boxes, right? Which is uh, sure. what they have to retrieve. Which Your is MacGuffins, absolutely. It's the MacGuffins, which uh, I, I know our friend uh, Lord Travis uh, is is yes. planning on doing a podcast eventually at some point about the uh, the MacGuffins that he's going to be uh, that that are in movies. Again, like the Infinity Stones from the MCU, this is one of those things that just doesn't necessarily land as something that's super impactful. That's just more like a thing to animate the the heroes and the villains to do the things that they that they that they, that they do. And um, yeah, I'm on drink number four in case someone's wondering. <laughs> um, and, and, um, Only going up, folks. Yeah, whereas shit's gonna get real. We have not even like gotten beyond like the first like 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like fuck. Um, so yeah, I, I think these things don't necessarily like matter necessarily, but at the same time, do they work better than the Infinity Stones from the MCU, or or are they? just kind of like these things that the heroes have to retrieve and the villains have to safeguard for their own purposes. I think they, they're mostly that. I think where the mother boxes get more interesting is in relation to Cyborg. And Cyborg <laughs> is one of the, the major, major differences between the Whedon cut and the Snyder cut. He's barely a character in the Whedon cut. Whereas in the Snyder cut, the more you go through it, the more it's, it seems, starts to seem like Cyborg is the whole point. Like not, I don't, I don't think there's a single protagonist like this movie is just too big and, and too sprawling to have a single protagonist, but... He's the emotional heart of a lot of it. Like, he's the first person you see Superman scream touch in the movie. Superman, you see Superman scream ripple outward, and he's the first person you see react to it because he's got a mother box nearby. So that's you know that's what that's there for. But he's the first person you see, and and he you get into such emotional stuff about his connection to his father and his mother, and that great scene where he was the football star, but his father wasn't there, and he's driving home with his mom, and that as I said, you know, if you'd been there, she wouldn't have died in that accident. And he's he's a character who only exists because of the mother box and because of, of of mankind's relation to it and i think it's interesting that like that okay the the atlanteans and the amazonians treat the box basically exactly the same let's put it in a place and just stare at it and we got guards and we're gonna take care of it but the way mankind deals with ah. it the way mankind deals with it is let's fuck with it <laughs> let's put it to use <laughs> i need it to fix things in my life because that's what humans do we're not good at just being manful and noble and staring at the one ring. No, 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 no. We got to use it immediately. And so, so there, so for me, that's very human. Yeah, it is. And I like that. I love that bit when the, the dad played by Joe Morton from, uh, from Terminator two comes to, Mm. uh, Ray Fisher's bedside and says, you're not going to die. I won't allow it. Like that's such a perfect, like absent father overcompensating thing to say. I won't allow it. I'm taking charge. I'm going to immediately make up for all my absence all at once, which you can't do, and is in fact also a problem. But that's 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 very recognizable. I think, like you know, dysfunctional parent behavior that I think immediately grounds uh, Ray Fisher's character. And then I, I just I love that bit when he's getting the tape recording from his dad of all his powers, oh, and yeah. and he's doing the that great thing where he zooms in on the lady. And he sees her tiny pile of money and he's watching her go through her whole day with just her tiny little pile of money and everything she's going through and all their hardships. And then he just grows it up and watches her get the money at the ATM. And it's just such a perfect, sweet example of heroism in a way we don't necessarily see in a lot of these movies. And then 
he listens to the tape recorder from his dad and says, oh, that, you know, that's, that's me as a scientist speaking to you about your powers. But now let me speak to you as, as your father. And, and, and Victor just goes, crushes it. It's just great. And that's, that kind of like dramatic pacing where you're like, you're brought up happily and then your smile withers. That's, that's not generally what Zack Snyder is known for. Like that kind of tight, dramatic pacing. You know what I mean? He's known for overwhelming you yeah. with his splash panel image. But like that, that was like, ooh, you've been listening to some of the criticisms about your storytelling because re- that, that was really yes. well done. Oh, that's, so, that, 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 that's such a great point because like Zack Snyder improves as, as a storyteller, right? He, he I think takes, he has, like, yeah. this, he, he takes the criticism that he has is that his, the, that the conflict's underbaked. And again, I don't want to spoil too much about what we're going to talk about for, for Man of Steel for our, for our patrons, but <laughs> there, there is an element where like there is one of the major criticisms of, of Man of Steel is that why Clark Kent is the way that he is, is just that, that, that Snyder doesn't really go super in depth on it. Like he wants to invoke the emotions, but not the depth of the feeling that is, that, that Clark is feeling. Sure. And, you know, at least to a, a little bit of a lesser story. I, I think Man of Steel is still actually a, a fairly decent movie, especially on rewatch. But we'll get into that again. Patreon episode. Patreon.com forward slash not a SOF. Anyways, um, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right in that he, he realizes that he has to make the conflict of Victor to be meaningful. And he focuses on a parental figure, which is something that he does again with Man of Steel, with Batman versus Superman. But I think he does it much more deftly and subtly here. And again, that reveal of what um, what his father says as a scientist versus what he says as a father is, is just a really meaningful moment at the end of the at end of the movie itself. So, yeah, it, it it it's super well done. And and I think from what I understand, again, I did not see the original Joss Whedon version, but the the story of Cyborg is much improved in this version. And I, and I think, is, is the father figure even like a big conflict in the original Joss Whedon version? Do you remember? He's barely there. It's really shameful, especially since Ray Fisher <laughs> seems like a really good guy, interesting guy, like politically active dude, good actor. Like, you know, he's the kind of kind of magnetic star presence you want to give as many options. This, this really reminds me of what happened with John Boyega in Star Wars. It sucks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he's, yeah, his, 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 he doesn't really have an arc. He's barely in the back. His only point in the Joss Whedon version is that he has the mother box and that is plot relevant. So his job is really? to, his job is to show up with it, like as he does in this movie. He shows up. Uh, I, I think it's with when they're with uh, Gordon on the roof to show up with the mother box. Like that's his point in the in the what? theatrical cut. No, and it's it's terrible no. in the center cut. Like it's yeah, emotionally like you know it all it leads up to him rejecting the mother box temptation to be your old self, and he's like, no, I'm not broken and I'm not alone, and that's you know that's the. Even, even you know that obviously that takes on a whole other weight with the Snyder meta text when you know, if you think that he's talking about his daughter there, but like it's it's hmm. it's it's uh, overwhelming hmm. for his character and it's great and it's um he has is a you know it's works so well I think that Wonder Woman is the one to reach out to him and that part was in the theatrical but much cut down, um so yeah I think that is a shame again again though because it's Zack Snyder I do love that how he visualizes Wall Street is literally a bull and a bear. Just, mm-hmm. That's just classic Zack Snyder himbo stuff. <laughs> is it a meta? It's not, that's not even a metaphor, dude. That's just the thing. It's, that's just great. No, it's great. And they're like fighting, and then all of a sudden, like Zack Snyder solves it through Cyborg, right? He can solve the, the problem of the bear and the, and, the, uh, and the bull cycles of, of Wall Street and then the stock market, which is just... That's great. Oh, no, it's, it's so good. I, I mean, like... 
you know, it, it's weird. I I know, but but I I found myself like when when the woman had like seventeen dollars in her bank account, mm-hmm. and then she suddenly had a hundred thousand dollars. So I was like, oh my god, like that's like actually like I feel something, right? Right. And right. Ultimately, ultimately, like cinema is supposed to make us feel things, and the fact that Snyder uses the canvas of the camera and and what he's filming to show someone who is extremely like downtrodden and has like a family and things like that suddenly like brought into like being able to survive for for a long time I, it, it was meaningful i mean it, it's weird to to, to put it in, in, in just like kind of those crude terms but i you know the fact that she went from 70 dollars to 100,000 dollars is just a uh, fantastic yeah so, i agree it's all right. a classic yeah. superheroics but yes okay so we get the after after the initial death scream that uh, that links everyone together at the end of Batman v Superman and activates the mother box MacGuffins, um, so that's the end of Batman v Superman. Then we skip to the present timeline. So Superman has been dead for a while, and Batman is is going out to to recruit Aquaman. And uh, this is when we get the for the first of the six parts because it's, it's Justice League is divided into six parts in an epilogue, which is very astute given how long it is and people like TV binging model. That was probably a good move. So this is where that starts, and this is where we get to see. Batman uh, fail in his recruitment efforts, as Jeremy Irons Alfred tells him. Maybe a guy who broods in a cave for a living. It's not necessarily for the job of of recruiting people. One of one of many Stannis esque moments in Justice League. Truly, truly. And um, but yeah, there's the the great bit where he just he hands over his cards to the guy in the village. He's like Bruce Vane, Bruce Bruce Vane, Bruce Vane. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> Haven't heard of him. And like, like Aquaman's in the right of the frame, just talking to him. And yeah, it's a great great. Um, Great establishment of uh, Jason Momoa doing his own kind of superhero thing where he helps he helps out this small town in his own way, very isolated and unconnected to anything, which is also like what Clark was doing in Man of Steel, which was just like helping a couple of people in an isolated way, but not wanting to be public and not wanting to be part of anything. Because that's what Aquaman says to Batman. I'm, I, you know, I like being on my own. Strong man, strongest alone. I don't like you coming here and getting into my business. So that, that establishes right away, right away the, the difficulty Batman faces in trying to trying to put this team together. And the Joss Whedon version had just like a couple of random little jokes tossed in here that didn't make the scene any any funnier. Um, but yeah, I love the uh, I like I like the just the, there's just such a great contrast between like the the grim white like Icelandic backdrop and then Jason Momoa. Like that's just <laughs> I understand that that might not work for people, but I love that contrast. Like room full of pinched face white people and then Jason Momoa is there. It's like I wonder who the stranger is that keeps coming from the sea at night. Who could it possibly be? I, I've got to be totally, totally honest. Like I, the last time I had seen Jason Momoa before Game of Thrones was when he did um, Stargate, Atlantis. Is that is that the the show he was right? Part of? He's part of that. I've forgotten that completely. So I was expecting him to like start like busting out some Cal Drogo there in 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 that scene. He almost but then did. He, like, right? he talks. He almost did, but he he talks normally and and normally. I guess he he's speaking English in, in a way that that I understand like, as someone who's. You know, known a couple of Hawaiians in my time, and yeah, that that, that was fascinating. And um, I think it's really interesting that that the conflict is set up between like Aquaman's like individualism versus like yes. it, it's it's set up within the context of him being an outcast from his own Atlantean society mm-hmm. and being like half human as well. So he has like a a stake in the world, a stake in Atlantis. But at the same time, he's also kind of outcast from both. And that tends to make a really interesting dynamic for him, which is why he rejects Bruce Wayne to begin with and and the original um, thing we have going there. Um, You know, I I loved um, 
the fact that like he was like the translator for Bruce Wayne in yeah, I, I, that was, was a it, fun was it Greenland. I think yeah, it was, was he, Iceland. Was he, they were supposed to be Iceland. In. Okay. Yeah. Um. So so it, so in Iceland, Greenland, whatever he's he, he's Top at, of the he's world. like the, the exactly. translator, I, which I feel like is borrowing from. I'm sure there's a biblical story I can I can pull out of there, but or or like a, a story from a. From mythology, where the, the the person poses as, as the uh, as the king, or, or poses as the translator, but he's actually the person he's trying to get in touch with. So, oh, I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. What what is it? What what is it? No, that does sound familiar. And it's you know Snyder loves throwing his uh his many parables and myths in there, so that could that, that could definitely be it. Um, and the, yeah, no, I love I love that dynamic. Is a uh, it's great. And then I love the again. There's just like there's nothing in the Whedon cut about the town, about like the people, and there's just this hmm. there's just lovely just haunting bit. And one of my favorite parts in the Snyder cut is right after Aquaman leaves, and there's the women of the village are singing after him, and one is yes, one just pick, so good. one just picks up his shirt and just like smells it, and like that is that's <laughs> I would do that. Yeah, me too. But that is like that's a frankly <laughs> erotic image, and you know what there are zero of in the MCU frankly erotic images again yep. not to like slag on the mcu plenty of good movies in there but like that, that is that is a a sex-free neutered environment where the concept mm-hmm. of human desire is not broached and you know just that's that shot of that of that girl stopping her singing to take in jason momoa sweat you know brings up sex which is is, is kind of verboten in these movies and there's just there's a there's just a, a a movie reference here i absolutely love so sorry to get, get on this rabbit hole but i just i, I just thought it was perfect no, so the please so the, the, the main woman highlighted in that scene who smells Jason Momoa's shirt and then puts it down and keeps singing. And the camera cuts to a shot of her from behind. And she has her hair done up behind her in this very specific way that is absolutely identical to the main woman in this Russian movie called Mirror, which was uh, directed by mm. Andrei Tarkovsky. He directed the movie Solaris, the sci-fi movie that got remade with George Clooney a while back. He's, he's a, Tarkovsky is a very just very uh, pretentious philosophical you know uh, uh, film school majors love Tarkovsky he's just he's a he's a, he's a film lovers kind of director and he made this movie Mirror which is a, a, a look back kind of an autobiographical look at his own life and it keeps coming back to this shot of uh, the actress playing his mother from behind with her hair done exactly in that same way as, as the as the woman in, in Justice League and one of the conceits in Mirror is that that actress also plays the main character's wife and also plays herself much, much, much older. And we get this hmm. cut in Justice League from that woman from behind, this young woman singing for Aquaman, singing for her person left, right to old Martha Kent, Diane Lane, at Superman's <laughs> grave, taken in the grief. So I feel like it's 100% Snyder trying to bring in Tarkovsky and have that same kind of theme of the the young woman and the old one brought together in grief and it's just it's a really haunting sad slow moment that's just it feels just like something out of a much older story and it's just it's a, it's really great and that's how that's how we first see uh, Superman's mom is just that cut to her away and it's just like oh we could have just cut to an establishing shot with her but we have this this wonderful cut from a younger woman to an older woman it's just such, uh, I just loved it I I I love that too and I love that there's actual sex in you know Snyder's version of comics as opposed to what we see in the MCU which of course is very sterilized and corporate and hitting the PG-13 rating every single time right exactly that's true the widest possible audience in the story so yeah it's it's really good and and I've never seen uh is it Tarkovsky is that what you were saying yeah Andre Tarkovsky yeah you would uh, he's got this movie we would uh I think we would enjoy watching they're called Stalker 
which is okay. a, about a couple of guys. It starts off and it's in not in black and white, but in like really sepia toned. Everything is gray and disgusting and yellow. And it's just a few guys who are like going on a secretive mission. You don't know what's up. And they're like evading the government. We got to get to the zone. We got to get to this place. And they get there and it's like Wizard of Oz. Suddenly everything is color. And you're like, oh, that's what was being hmm. hidden. And it's like they've entered this strange world where anything you imagine will happen physically to you. So you have to constantly <laughs> be dealing with your own mental reality. It's just like this really good, weird, strange, like, you know, metaphor, cautionary tale thing. I would definitely recommend it. I think we would we would have fun with it. But yeah, Tarkovsky's mirror, yeah, I think is it's like it's identical the woman's the way the woman's hair is done. So it's not you know, Snyder likes his references, some are more subtle than others, but uh yeah, I, I thought that was that was a lovely touch. And just a kind That's of just great. very, very haunting scene. So then yeah, we go to Martha Kent at Superman's grave. She's lost the farm, which is a, a melodramatic touch. But uh, but that's fine, of course. You got to show uh, hard times falling on your characters, because otherwise, how do you how do you how do you how do you fit the mood? And then um, and then yeah, then we get to I think do we get to the Wonder Woman Island after that to Themyscira? I think so. It, it, yeah, so you get to. The, the 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 rest of the Atlantean not the Atlanteans the um, the Amazonians right Amazonians there we go who are suddenly the um, the box has been activated and is like flashing all these lights and like sort of like shifting in terms of its physical composition and all the Amazonians start to like get in like these kind of like you know these you know very militant you know poses of like pulling their bowstring or like yeah exactly ha, ha, ha. 300 but with ladies it's absolutely yep. right exactly because it's feminist and it's great um exactly no I'm, I'm teasing so they stand there for a while i guess and then yeah and then and then <laughs> this is this is where it starts to get a little confusing and i, and I think this this might be a little bit of Zack Snyder's fault but like i i don't remember like and i literally watched this movie 12 hours ago at this point or 24 hours ago you know it's so much closer that thereof uh there, there's a lot of movie there but uh but you get the attack on uh on uh themiscura the themiscura or the place themiscura yeah um which happens when uh, when steppenwolf attacks the uh the place and attempts to retrieve the box and you know this is one of those interesting action scenes from the movie which i thought was like really really good of trying to get the box away from from steppenwolf and you have this scene of them like getting the box out of the temple itself as all of like those flying insect things are are, are moving about and attempting to get the box and they get the box like it's almost like a, uh almost like a heist movie like it takes like yeah. kind of that kind of dynamic Absolutely. where you're, you're trying to get um you know from um oceans 11 you're trying to get the the box of diamonds out of the safe from the casino uh, it, I, I think it's actually pretty effective um even, even though a lot of it, again is, is cgi and like your eye is obviously like trained to be like okay this is actually fake but at the same sure. time i understand where it's coming from and then you get to outside of the temple itself where where the Amazonians are riding away and you have um, a really interesting scene where uh, the, the queen of the Amazonians is standing at the at the bluff and looking down and thinking like, oh, look at my temple collapsing. Yeah. And then Steppenwolf and all of his monsters like come emerging out of that collapse, which I think is like a really smart thing because like in kind of a lesser movie I think you would have a lot of people that you would have that this this scene where they would just be like standing there being like oh man I'm, 
fucking sad, man. I'm so fucking sad. <laughs> but Zack Snyder's like, no, actually, your sadness leads to the fact that the uh, Infinity Stone, or actually the uh, the box, is retrieved from uh, from uh, at this battle. So yeah, that's it, a good point. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of um, you know, I, this is a PG thirteen podcast, but there's a lot of beautiful ladies that are in this scene of Amazonians, right? And sure. Zack Snyder loves his um very you know, shapely female figures and, and beautiful people. And that, that goes male to female here. But okay. but here, it's, it's is it gratuitous that we have all so many beautiful women at the same time here in this scene? I don't think so, because they are all taking action, story-relevant story action. And also because I think Snyder is one of the few filmmakers who genuinely actually does also film male bodies in a sexually pleasing way. Like, I really don't think most action filmmakers do that or have any idea how to or interest in in doing that. Um, and, you know, Snyder does try to film uh, Kal-El, Clark Kent, Henry Cavill in a way that is 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 directly aesthetically pleasing and in a way meant to make him a, a sexual object of of your fetish, which is, you know, what superheroes are for a lot of people. So it's 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 not out of bounds, I think, to him, for him to draw on that legacy. And no, I I loved the 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 Themyscira scene. I think it's I mean it's it's again it's one of those things where you have to be on board with the tone, like you know the queen saying Themyscira, show him your fear, and everyone going, we have no fear. You're either on board with that or you're not. You know if you need if 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 you can't be on board with the the extreme old, extreme high school sincerity of that, then it's just not going to work. And that's I totally get that. But I think the the element of, of self sacrifice that's involved with everyone trying to get the box away is great. Uh, Frank mentioned in the chat. There's the one woman who sh- who attaches the box to her arrow and shoots it away, knowing she's gonna die. I think that's great stuff. And yeah, I loved that 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 wonderfully slow moment where it's just the you realize that this this temple has become a tomb for all these women she's left behind, and then it dissolves into the ocean, and she just stands there from it to watch it just froth and churn, and the dumb thing to say is, why are you standing there, lady? Don't you know that the aliens are going to jump out of the water and get after you once you're getting away? Because she's a person who's grieving and is feeling emotions, which a lot of the a lot of nitpicky film complaints just like act like characters aren't supposed to have emotions, that they're just supposed to be logic <laughs> machines. And that's, that's a, one of those moments where I really appreciated how slow things were moving and she was given a space to mourn before the fight continued. And then, um, yeah, and then, and then, of course, they they end up end up losing the box, and that's 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 the that's that's the end of Act One. Is uh, we have we have the introduction of our introduction of our villain come to come to get the MacGuffin. So structurally, I think that works real well. I think um, Batman v Superman was a film I think unfortunately treated by the the studio process. The theatrical cut of Batman v Superman is unwatchable. Like you can't yep. follow what's happening. Whereas I think the uncut, the the director's cut three hour edition, I think still has story problems, but it's it's much it's it's much more clear what's happening. But it is still it is it is still convoluted all to hell, and it's getting in its own way. And and the I think you, the that Wonder Woman scene is an example. I think of the standard cut where the length allows things to to breathe and conf- so to avoid confusion settling in. So you can you can reestablish yourself in the scene and then get ready for the next action beat. And I think that works well. I think it works really well as well. So we, we get into the formation of the Justice League, which at this point in the story consists of only two characters, namily Batman True. and Wonder Woman, who is played 
so so well by Gal Gadot. I mean, oh my god! Like, <laughs> I mean, this, I, I, this is unfortunate that this has happened. Um, right, especially because I mean, she there's, has there's, to narrate things. I but they chose the best possible person to narrate things, right? Because I suppose. I mean, oh, who would you rather have, Ben Affleck? No, Affleck. I would rather Affleck have. And, I don't know, like hire, like you know, hire Patrick Stewart for that scene or something. Like, no, you know. no, 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 no. Gal Gadot is perfect, sir. I do. As everyone has already pointed this out, but it is hysterical how they forced all the other actresses playing the Amazons to mimic her ridiculous accent because she can't act any other way so now we have to make it just a thing that the amazons sound like that that's hysterical to me no look you know i think I mean, gal gadot is, well, is perfectly fine but was pretty clearly cast because she looks like she came from the clouds i mean there's worse sins there there are certainly worse sins and gal is um Okay, we're moving on. Um, she's great. No, she's, she's she's never treated as cheesecake. She's an awesome action star, and she's she's. Uh, yeah. I think she. I think she visually makes a great Wonder Woman. She's she. I think she handles herself real well in the action scenes. I I think when she's acting against, you know, Jeremy Irons, it's it's kind of <laughs> painful. Like this is one of the greatest thespians in history. Like you know, I don't mean to pile on Gal Gadot too much. I think she serves her her role just fine. She's an he's an actor in Kingdom of Heaven, by the way. If if you want to listen to that episode, if you want to remember that, he was the uh, that's true. He was um, he was the sheriff of a he was the sheriff of this western town. I'm sure Gal Gadot would fit just fine into Kingdom of Heaven as some sort of oh god yeah visually badass fighter lady, as long as she didn't have to speak. Imagine her as Isabella. God, oh sure, beast sure. of my heart. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but yeah. So at this point, yeah. So uh, she she gets the warning arrow uh, from her family. And uh, from her people on Themyscira and uh, brings that warning to Batman. Batman's kind of paranoid. He thinks that someone's coming from his warning from Lex Luthor. And now Wonder Woman confirms his worst fears that uh, that indeed they are being invaded by aliens. And then she 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 yeah, she narrates over this this insane sequence that I think this 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 might rank on its own as just my favorite thing Zack Snyder has ever done. This this Lord of the Rings on even more acid backstory sequence. What did, what did, did, did you like that sequence? The the uh, the origin story backstory battle when last Darkseid came to town sequence. <laughs> it, was, it was it was fine. I mean, like it was. Um, I loved it. You know, it like was delightful. There was Zeus I, I was there, t- and the Green Lantern. It was felt like a child was in charge. It was wonderful. I mean, like yeah, you say a child's in charge, but also like kind of like. Um, like triggered like my like childhood love of like big like action set pieces right it, it it felt like it was going back to like a comic book origin which was great and yeah you know fellowship of the ring opens with the the, the last battle that's right? what it reminded me which, of very very much so not quite as I mean, good you have, but you have the men and the elves versus the orcs which is essentially what i think what Zack Snyder was heavily borrowing from but I think it's done really, really well, and and I I love in the in this version, and I'm assuming it's it's in this version because I think this character was completely cut from the Joss Whedon version. Is you have, um, gosh, what was his name? The he was the Air Force General in Man of Steel, right? Who turns out to be um, Mar- the Martian, right? Martian Manhunter, right? What's his name? Martian Manhunter, yeah, that guy. I I, I can't I can't remember his his name, but. 
he's the, he he shows up there and like the camera like stays with him like for part of the battle and you're like oh why am i following this guy like ah oh, your your brain like subconsciously filters that That's away as something i should remember and of course that becomes like a big payoff when we get to the end of, end of the movie so i liked it. i mean i i know, I know. I'm, I'm 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 a big like my my lizard brain goes ooh this is cool. There's nothing wrong. No, I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was delightful. It was just uh, yeah. It was a. Uh, it's not quite. You know, nothing will ever beat. I will never forget watching the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, in theater the first time, and the moment when all the elf swords go wishing like yes, all in a yes. row together. That's burned into my brain. It's probably going to be the last thing my brain throws in my eyeballs before I die. Because I was a kid, I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And so it's not quite that. It's people are bringing up the uh, in the chat. There's the Thor Ragnarok Valkyrie flashback scene. That's it's it's it, that's also kind of similar in that regard, but I just loved, I just I the the just the the wonder of like that uh, there's a Greek god and also a guy with a trident and also someone who's supposed to be King Arthur, like that's just that that's just wonderful. That's just wonderful. And like you know, is that is that extremely silly? Yes. But the alternative mm-hmm. is the Civil War, the Captain America Civil War fight, where it's they're at an airport, and it's mm-hmm. just an airport. And like those are fun characters, and I like their dynamics. But yeah, no, I'll take I'll take ridiculous volcano past over over an airport any day in terms of your your superhero fight setting. And and it, it leads, of course, to Darkseid being defeated on Earth, which of course sets up like the the major story point, which we will get to towards the end of the movie, where Darkseid is being like, "Oh, I'm looking for the one planet where I was defeated at. Where was I defeated? I don't know. I've conquered a hundred thousand worlds, so." I guess I don't remember which planet it was right. that I was actually. I didn't at. keep records, <laughs> right? I don't keep track of this shit. I don't have. I don't. Need, Darkseid needs some clerks. <laughs> exactly, like you know, he he needs a bureaucracy behind him to uh to guide him towards his uh his, his conquest and destruction of various species and planets. But <laughs> that's always what I think. Villains, villains never have the proper like bureaucratic framework behind them. To, to that's why I like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy much because that's the villains are always mm-hmm. just gigantic bureaucracies. It's much, it's much more terrifying than one guy with an axe. I mean, yeah. So, so all these folks get defeated, and uh, we we get the. I mean, again, I love the fact that Gal is, is is narrating this entire thing, like like explaining like what we're seeing on like. It's right. very. I will say it's very. Snack, Zach Zach Snyder. Snack that Snyder. Gal Gadot mm-hmm. is narrating what we're actually seeing on screen. Right. It's like. We can't. Our, we can't figure out because we're we're just dumb, stupid, fucking human beings. <laughs> we can't figure out that what we're seeing on on screen is what's that, what what Gal is is. No, we is need narrated. to be told. But that's okay. We need an extra layer. We just need to be told. Just 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 a reminder. It's um, okay. We need we need a yeah third person narrative you know voice to to go through that. So yeah. <sighs> Sigh. All right. But then to, okay. So we get so we get that. So that sets up the stakes. That back back way back in the past. Darkseid came to Earth and tried to use his the, the mother boxes to make Earth look more like his horrible lava planet. And we all threw him off because we all fought together. So that's what we gotta do again this time. That's gonna be that's gonna mm-hmm. be the whole thing. So uh there's that's that setup. That's the age of heroes. There's this great bit, by the way, I love um at the start of the second part, I think it is, when Steppenwolf first goes to the Russian town that he makes his headquarters, that starts with this, this great shot of, like, it's your inside, like, in a, it's this abandoned Russian town that was, like, a nuclear, you know, desiccated radiation town, ghost town. And you're looking out of the window, and it's, like, the window is mostly covered by, like, this the poster of a Russian cosmonaut. 
and like just part of it is torn away and through that part of the window torn away that's how you see the nuclear power plant and also Steppenwolf's <laughs> arrival and that's that classic thing that I think Zack Snyder can do is is like come up with these images that get across a lot quickly it's like oh that's perfect here's the image of the hero and then here's the broken bit where it doesn't work and through that broken bit that's where you see nuclear power in the villain like ooh, that's just mm, that's perfect and there's a lot of bits like that in Watchmen that I think, you know, made me enjoy Watchmen when we were watching it again. Like just these <laughs> these moments where it's like, oh, I just got to pause and I got to think about this shot for like five minutes because there's like there's there's just concepts going on here that are so yeah. fun to so fun to trace. And then it's just, you know, then then you cut the Steppenwolf and he's just covered with razors and he's saying things like, go fly parademons. And it's like, ah, here we are again. <laughs> here we are back in comic book territory. <laughs> Okay, I, I were you ever like scared by Steppenwolf at any point in this movie? You're like, ooh, no, like, ooh. no, that's, no, exactly, right? No, he's, a, I mean, you know, it's, a, I don't know how many. That's true. I mean, like uh, Michael Shannon as Zod does kind of frighten me when he starts. Yes. Uh, when he starts saying, "I'm going to make them suffer," Superman. These all these humans that you've adopted and made your pets. Yeah, that I'm going to kill them in front of you. That does make me go, kill. Uh, and I, yeah, I never actually. Uh, retreat from steppenwolf in fear he is he is he's is very much very much a functional villain that just just is there to get to threaten and get them all together uh as, as I, they say after their big backstory i will say that um so i was watching in in on a laptop in my bed when i was watching it last night around like 11 30 at night and my wife did say that steppenwolf was creepy but she also wasn't listening to any of it because I had my headphones in when I was watching like it. So maybe he's like really good as a visual villain, but not necessarily good when you combine the visuals with the audio, aud- auditory uh, impact of, of him. So I don't know. So it, it's interesting. But yeah, but yeah. All right. So Steppenwolf again, like he takes some of the box from from the uh, from the Atlanteans, right? Or rather from the the Amazonians, and then he attacks the Atlanteans and retrieves their mother box as well. Um, I don't know. Is there really anything to say about like that scene besides that we have the earlier scene with Willem Dafoe, who I was like, oh my god, Willem Dafoe Willem is in this Dafoe movie. Was here. No exactly. One. Right, like, but he's there. Is like, is is he? Is, this is my ignorance speaking. Is is he supposed to be the king of the Atlanteans that is asking Aquaman to like take on the role of his son in error, or is he like? He's a, Who he is, is he's he's Aquaman's like mentor from his childhood. So Aquaman is the son of the Queen of the Atlanteans and a human father. Um, so you know, obvious parallel to Superman, child of two worlds, etc., etc., etc. So yeah, Willem Dafoe is his mentor who wants him to embrace his mother's side, his mother's family, the the Atlanteans, and come home to take over the rule. Because as we learn in the Aquaman movie. The alternative for rule is his half brother, who is played by Patrick Wilson, and so naturally is an asshole. Um, and so you know, so the Willem Dafoe wants Jason Momoa to take over the rule, but Jason Momoa doesn't want to be a part of you know your. He says, you know, I'm part of your your petty superstitious people. And uh, you know, Willem Dafoe says, well, is the surface any better? And Jason Momoa says, well, they don't call me king of the surface, which gets to the, the the point of his character, which is that you know, I don't. At least on the surface, I don't have any responsibilities. I'm not being put in charge of anything. I can do as I please, which is, you know, how Batman wanted to operate. But now he has higher responsibilities. And so Aquaman has to learn his higher responsibilities, too. And, you know, conveniently, his higher responsibilities involve Amber Heard making eyes at him. So that's useful for mm. him. Um, but It's useful for me. <laughs> sure, of course. But, yeah. So, yeah, we get more of Amber Heard as, as Mirror in this one. She's, so she takes over the defenses 
of Atlantis uh, because uh, Aquaman's refusing to do it. So she has to take charge and try to defend the box. He shows uh, Aquaman shows up at the last second to fight Steppenwolf, and yeah, I like the uh, yeah the underwater scenes are a, are a lot of fun visually, uh, just to to watch everyone uh, glide and and fly around. Um, but yeah, the the, the more kind of the more kind of sincere character stuff, yeah, with Aquaman happens in that that earlier little scene with Willem Dafoe when they're just kind of uh, uh, alone in this ruin, and that's yeah a lot of you know that's a lot of the the visuals and a lot of the scenes in Justice League is, is people people talking in ruined spaces and empty spaces and then trying trying to deal with grief, and that was that was there in Batman v Superman too, but Batman v Superman was was more kind of just wallowing. <laughs> In just kind of darkness <laughs> and horror, and you're either, you know you're either into that or you're not. You're into the movie where Wayne Manor has burned down and the Joker has killed Robin horribly, <laughs> or you're not. But Justice League has, has, has a little more kind of sweetness and humanity to it that you see in that scene, like when Willem Dafoe tells him, "Look, you can't. It doesn't matter whether you live above or below. You can't turn your back on the world forever. You have to be. Mm-hmm. You have to be a part of something." Which is the you know that's the uh, that's the thing that Zod said to Superman in Man of Steel when. He's like, hey, let's go kill humanity and replace them with Krypton. And Superman's like, I can't be a part of that. And then Zod's like, well, then what can you be a part of exactly? What are you What are you going to belong to? So that's 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 that big question. Uh, so yeah, so we get the, the second box, and um, and uh, then gradually we move on to introducing the Flash, who is of course uh, the more uh, comic relief oriented character of the bunch. How did you, yeah? How did you find uh, Ezra Miller as the Flash in this one and his jokes? Did you find him fun or annoying or, or both? I liked him. I I, I got to be honest. I, I I don't know what the, uh, cons- the the popular conception of him as a character is, but I really liked him because I I, I found him to be similar to what we were talking about earlier about how like Zack Snyder's responding to criticism of like sure. him being like too grim dark. I enjoyed like the fact that he was like this like kind of like nerdy dude who had a who who had like like kind of like a jokey background right like his his father <laughs> this this is like Zack Snyder's like sense of humor right the fact that like the Flash's father was falsely accused of murdering his mother and that's played for laughs right that's that's super like Zack Snyder right that you would have that this, this character there um and and he's entering the criminal justice world in order to to belay those um those those feelings of 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 being a, a part of the unjust unjust part of the world. So I I like Barry Allen a lot. I I think the Flash was a really good character. Um, you you know a lot of the stuff was set up in Batman versus Superman where you have like these that that moment with Wonder Woman where she's looking through the different files that that Bruce Wayne sends to her. The QuickTime videos. She's, yep, that's right. A- Right, not even YouTube. Like QuickTime, literally attachments to an email. I've I've come right to like from, Batman v Superman more than I used to, but that scene is still unforgivable. But yes, but yes, continue. Just fucking unlisted videos on YouTube, right? It, it, essentially, like put put unlisted videos on YouTube. That's all you have to do. So, from what I understand, like there was a larger set of movies that was imagined in the long term for um, from Justice League. But and and I think like Barry Allen, aka the Flash, was is is one that's actually, that had movies planned, but it's actually going to be a TV series. So I'm curious to see how um how this ends up being out. So I, I have a question for you. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, oh, good. So Barry Allen as kind of like this kind of explicitly like Jewish characters that feed into stereotypes <laughs> of of Jews in as are depicted in fiction, or is this 
something that was kind of like playful more than 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 sinister i thought it was perfectly playful i think it was you know he has the the kind of uh self-aware jewish boy thing of my mother thinks i'm the most handsome person on the planet as he kind of brings up in that intro scene uh with batman and i think well it's interesting because his his constant kind of rambling and nervous talking can be read as can be read in a number of ways it can be read as like oh that millennial or it can be read as like you know a jewish neurotic type or it can be read as as being neuroatypical in some way which is something i've read about as something i'd like to do more reading about because i've only kind of come across it recently the arguments that that is what Zack snyder intends for clark kent that he is supposed hmm. to be neuroatypical in some way and this comes through in how he deals with people and can't really interact with them for too long which is interesting i don't know if that's intentional or not I think that's an interesting read of the character. I think it might be more kind of explicitly what's happening with, with, with Barry Allen, but I do think it is he has he has difficulty interacting with the world for different reasons than someone like Bruce Wayne. So that makes it for an interesting dynamic that you know uh, uh, Bruce Wayne has, has has constructed this wall around the world to deal with pain. Whereas Barry Allen really wants to directly address his family pain, but just finds a lot of difficulty just talking and dealing with people while doing that, as he says, he needs friends. Whereas, you know, Bruce Wayne's whole thing is like, I don't need friends, I don't need anybody. You know, what Cyborg says to Wonder Woman, I don't, I don't need people. All these, you know, heroes individually dealing with that in their own way. Um, yeah, I really, I, I liked the, the Flash intro scene. I liked the... You get those those wonderful little Zack Snyder visual details that are either you you know sometimes they come off overindulgent, but this one I liked where his his shoes explode as he turns into into you know to get into Flash Energy Motors. His sneakers can't handle it, so every time he does it, he presumably has to get new shoes unless he's wearing his fancy Flash outfit. That's just delightful. And you had that the you know the wonderful the wonderful slow slong playing as he's saving the woman. And I think the, the woman he saved is supposed to be Iris West, as I've learned afterwards, that the woman he saved is supposed to, is the woman he's later going to, supposed to marry. Um, and there is, and just, I love the bit where as he's, tr- as he's getting her to the ground and saving her, he's trying not to touch her because he doesn't, presumably he just doesn't want to be disrespectful, but it's also just a great way of getting across for all these people. Like they can't, they're just alienated and they can't, they feel like they can't quite connect to people and get in touch with people the way they want to. And I think that's uh that's 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 a, that's a nice way of, of making his character relatable. And then, you know, obviously he uh, takes advantage of the the hot dog in the air to get himself a job taking care of the dogs, which is the yeah, the kind of humor that you don't necessarily associate with Zack Snyder. But I don't know. That's the thing. Like maybe maybe we're just treating Zack Snyder unfairly because he does make jokes in his movies and then when he does everyone makes fun of him for it. Like, there's the, the Batman v Superman joke, which, you know, Granny's peach tea, which is actually Lex Luthor's piss on the on the the, Congre- the congresswoman's desk right before Congress blokes up. So even when he tries to be funny, it, it doesn't quite work out that well. So so clearly he just can't win. But yeah, I, I love that Flash interesting. There's that couple of beautiful, beautiful effects with, like, the, the glass as he's breaking through it. Um, and that's the thing with, the Zach, like with a lot of the Zack Snyder movies. I don't know how much involvement he has with effects work, but really just some of the effects in his movies just look so much better than effects in other movies. And I don't necessarily know why that is or who he's working with, but there were just, there's moments in that flashing where I'm like, wow, this this just looks, this just looks perfect. Yeah. The, the, that's, that's a great point. I think like you, you do kind of wonder like whether he's like actually like invested in like the flashbacks and, and, and like the effects themselves or whether like, 
this is like a like an impact right. of him having the time to create like 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 his actual version, which I think is really interesting. I, it, you know, it's one of those like cultural things where I, where I wonder whether like the the pandemic and the fact that everyone's at home allows for this movie to actually come around and be like something that is enjoyable to watch. I, I found myself like throughout finding um, finding myself enjoying like the the visual effects of of, of the movie, even if some of the things weren't exactly like finished and. Um, sure. it's great. It's 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 really really good. Um, I I I, I again, I think like the, the vision of of Zack Snyder creating this is awesome, and the fact that he's able to create a vision like this is something that should be a uh, should be celebrated. Really, yeah, you follow up. There's the, that cyborg scene where he's giving them money to him and then rejecting his message from his father, and then you follow it up with the flash scene with his father in jail. And I think that's really the heart of it right there. Is you got the one character who's rejecting his father. And then the Flash, who wants to connect to his father, and then Billy Crudup playing his father says, "You got to stop. Hmm. I want you to stop trying to get me out of here. You're wasting your life, and I'm, I'm not going anywhere." And that, it's, you know, it, I don't want to slather the the outside world on it too much, but it's it's really hard to read those scenes in any other way. I think knowing what you know about about Zack Snyder and his daughter, there's just these intense emotional scenes that keep coming back to the question of parents and children, and dealing with lost parents and lost children and trying to move on and that scene with with uh, wonder woman and cyborg where she says i've lost someone recently and i'm still working on opening myself up and if you're here that means you're working on it too and i feel like in part that's that's snyder talking to the audience saying if you're watching this if you've kept with me so far this movie then clearly you've you've got your you know you came here for a reason too and you have your things to work at too and that 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 that, that stuff that stuff definitely hits and i think that um that kind of grounds the Flash. Then, and then, of course, you get the other good funny scene uh, with him and Bruce in uh, in his little uh, his little apartment there, which is just you know uh, Bruce worked so hard to try to get Aquaman on his team. Aquaman is like, no, I want to be alone. I want to be alone. And then Bruce is only he's like warming up on his speech to Barry Allen. Barry Allen's like, stop right there. I'm, right. You don't even have to finish your speech. He's he's too enthusiastic to to, to get in. So perfect perfect uh, contrast there. Hot and cold as it goes in terms of uh, exactly. Yeah, you do have that good contrast for the uh, for the narrative, which is, which makes it really uh, interesting and uh, and fun that you have Barry Allen, who Barry Barry Allen really feels like a, a character that is like the kind of the the audience inserts in, in these in these these movies. And that he, I agree. He feels like the guy that would be like, yeah, most of us would be like, yeah, absolutely. Like Batman needs me. I'm there. It's like sign me up. I'm ready to like. Right. Join I'm here on the Batcave. Right. I totally agree. And I feel like, um, I feel like to a certain extent, Bruce himself is like the Snyder insert in this movie. Like he's the the professional guy who's like, I made a promise to Superman that I had to see this through and I had to finish this. Like that's Snyder. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie. And like that's the that there is that yeah that kind of that kind of parental dynamic almost, um, which also shows up in the Iron Man movies too, of course. Uh, Iron Man movies in the Marvel movies with Iron Man and Spider Man. So is that 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 uh that's that that similar dynamic of of, of the rich guy and, and the brash <laughs> youngster that I that that uh, I think everyone can everyone enjoys to to a certain extent. Oh, and there's the one action scene that I think we haven't talked about, oh God. which was the Wonder Woman versus Bruce Bolton. Oh, yes, Bruce Bolton is there. Bruce Bolton is here playing playing exactly the kind of guy Bruce Bolton would be in the real world. A, a nihilistic reactionary terrorist. Right. Uh, perfect. 
Um, Did, so yeah, what'd you say? Yeah, oh you like God, that? Scene? Like I love that scene. I, I had, again, because because I hadn't seen the Joss Whedon version, I was like, I, I was I was enthralled by the scene because. Okay, so there's this theory in political discourse, right? Cheers. Um, which, oh, good. Which, um, which, which says that like, the farther right or left you get, the more it becomes like you get like towards like ah uh, the horseshoe theory. Yeah, there you go, horseshoe theory. So, what is the difference between him like as a reactionary, like wanting to like erase all like memory to like bring us back to like the the medieval times? And like the eco terrorist theory, where like you like blow up all of like the financial institutions and erase all the memories and uh, and do all those sorts of things, and like all of a sudden, like you, you know, like he could be like anyone. But because Zack Snyder, this is my theory, because Zack Snyder has been criticized as being this some sort of Randian objectivist, that he's like, ah, well, obviously these guys got to be right wing fucking terrorists, and we need to make him try to take humanity back to the the moment of uh where, where you would not have financial records which has no application whatsoever to uh modern conservatism as it stands right now and certainly certainly not i think that's a great point i think it's probably true and i think what's what fits with that is like when wonder woman is trying to stop a terrorist and she interrogates one what are you doing here and he's like we're reactionary terrorists we're trying to take your back to and she's like boring and she cuts him <laughs> off and if you're like that's Zack snyder that's Zack Snyder completely uninterested in, in like political discussions. And that's him going boring. That's not what I'm here for at all. Because I think really, I think I don't I really don't think he's interested in planting a flag in any particular direction, which you can say maybe that's irresponsible, but I think that's that's kind of where he's coming from. And I think, yeah, that is kind of a a pointed uh, a, a a wink wink nudge and a jab in that direction. But yeah, I like I yeah, that 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 scene is in the Joss Whedon version and it's so much worse. Mm. Like it's so it's so much less like like taut and well paced and well edited. Like in the in the in the Snyder cut, like the camera stays on the suitcase the whole time as we're moving through the building. And the Josh Whedon version, the camera's all over the place and just doesn't nothing. Just nothing matters. Just nothing matters at all. And um, yeah, no, I like. And it's just the if you watch if you watch the Snyder cut with subtitles, you got treated to uh ancient lamentation music which is what the subtitles call call wonder woman's theme you got treated to that a lot because the wonder woman theme is used approximately 20 bazillion times in this movie it's good which though. i can't blame them for that's good because even the people who hate all of these movies agree that the wonder woman theme kind of rocks which it does like the best moment in batman v superman is when she comes down in front of doomsday and then you see it's her and then the music starts da, 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 and you just go Woo! that's right it's 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 delightful and that's this whole scene with bruce bolton she's just blocking bullets and then she blows it but you get to the the problem people have with Zack Snyder, where she like she disintegrates this man in front of a bunch of children <laughs> and then one of the children is like can i be like you when i grow up <laughs> And, like, neither of those two things are bad on their own. But when you put them together, it seems like the little girl is saying, can I, too, disintegrate people? Blink, blink. And I don't think Zack Snyder is thinking about it that way. I just think he likes both little girls looking up to Wonder Woman and Bruce Bolton being disintegrated. And I don't think he thinks there's a contradiction there, which is kind of frustrating, but also just kind of awesome. Who among us went one Bruce Bolton disintegrated, like, before our eyes, right? And, the, and then, then the hat floats down, and it's just like, and also you know it's Zack Snyder because like when she blows Bruce Bolton out the window, she does like half the wall explodes, and there's like masonry falling on cop cars, and it's just like Jesus, 
Jesus Christ, that's so much. And that would be fine if it was acknowledged, but then everyone's smiling. And that is that is the problem people have with Zack Snyder, is, is that he blows up city blocks, and then the characters don't seem to realize that yes. they have just blown up city blocks. Not just city blocks, they blow up, it's like... It's so weird. Thousands of years of human history, right? Like, me as, like, the history guy, it was, like, watching the scene... Right, this is a museum! Right, that's a museum, but, like, you have, like, the 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 masonry which is around like these buildings right you have um the angel the 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 angel gabriel blowing the horn as like on top of like one of the buildings and you have all this like we're in london folks you know uh, allegedly thousands of years old history which is just wonder woman's like blowing up and you're like i mean it's great that you're saving kids and at the same time it's like like oh my god like someone in the year 1100 created this beautiful piece of like stonework (laughs) like like polished it and made it and thought like ah this is my gift to the lord which i am creating for all time so that everyone will be remembered so so that everyone will remember that that god is good and he and Use humanity with the sense of creativity, and one was like fucking blasts the shit out of it. So, anyways, um. just just blows it to hell. Yeah, it's just it's it's that that weird mix. And again, we'll we'll get into it when we talk about Man of Steel because Man of Steel is the ultimate example of that, where like Superman and Zod between them kill definitely tens of thousands of people. Right. And then the next scene is like Superman's going to his new job <laughs> in that same city. And it's just like, has have decades passed? How mm-hmm. is everyone okay? We saw Superman and Zod wipe out blocks of human beings. That that weird that weird contrast. And I think I think the Zack Snyder the problem with the Zack Snyder discourse is everyone has been interpreting that is Zack Snyder hates people and Zack Snyder's he a fascist. He Zack doesn't. Snyder he's likes not. it. And no, the problem is he's just not thinking about it the same exactly. way that you are. He's an he American. Just, he thinks. He thinks that's beautiful and amazing and wow, and is that kind of silly? Sure, but it's he's he's, he's, he's it, you know I think we've we've been too hard on the poor himbo, and I think you, I think the I think the Snyder cut makes that clear because there's more heart in it, so people can look at it and say okay, so he's not a crypto fascist. He's a grieving father who likes things to that explode. There there are there are worse things to be. You could be Michael Bay, who seems like a version of Zack Snyder with no soul. And like we talked about this when we talked about Watchmen, um, you know, Michael Bay and Zack Snyder are actually peers in terms of like their their like as their outlook. Oh yes, and they actually like created like commercials around the same time in the nineteen eighties, and yet, you know, they 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 created like completely di- not not completely, but they completed different types of work. Uh, I think like Transformers versus. The, the the comic book material that Zack Snyder's produced are, are quite different and they and they tend to have like different like themes and yeah uh, I, I don't think that Zack Snyder is, snow, is soulless I think he's looking at this this scene in Ireland I'm assuming it's in Ireland uh, as being a like oh look at Wonder Woman like you know like saving people as a woman and that's great and we should yeah. look at this and applaud this. And at the same time, like my like historical heart is like like melting in like my soul. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> god! Uh, like uh. where where the someone 
someone in the uh, again someone in the year 1100 was like i will make this as an ornament to the lord jesus <laughs> christ and this will be something that will be a memory to god forever and we are going <laughs> and zach was like boom <laughs> boom but yeah like you said, like, and then like the woman's the, the little girl says, "I want to be like you. Can I be like you?" And one woman says, "You can be anything you want to be." And I do think Zack Snyder sincerely believes that yes. and thinks that's important. Like if you look at like another like another example of that, Zack Snyder's uh, movie Sucker Punch, great movie, which <laughs> I have an extreme soft spot for that movie. And I think again, I think a lot of the criticisms of that of that movie are just kind of ungenerous mm-hmm. because I don't think I think I think that movie is just so sincere. Because Zack Snyder just sincerely wants people in abusive, traumatic situations to have escapism. And he thinks that's really important. And the way he conveys that is is ladies in miniskirts fighting orcs. I love it. And it's like you can think that's it. hilariously misguided way to get that point across. But the but the point is so, so clear. And like it's getting so kind of sweet. So it's just like, oh, buddy. You know, it's like... Look, I mean, I mean like... It, it, it's like... It's like yeah, go ahead. I mean, can't you be like horny and fighting fascists at the same time? Like that—that's my question. I think to you. so. I absolutely think that you could be—you can have two things going on at the same time. And that's important because it's hashtag cinema, right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, completely. It's, it's like, like it. It's it's like imagine. I've had this happen to me. Imagine like you're signing a birthday card for a coworker. Mm-hmm. And everyone else signs something, like, has, like, an extremely, like, jokey, snarky, like, sarcastic reference or something. And you write something extremely sincere. That's embarrassing, right? Mm. Like, that's, oh, that's kind of awkward. You didn't do anything wrong, though. Just in context, it kind of seems weird. And that's, for me, that's Zack Snyder. He's, like, he's a sincere signature on a card full of sarcastic ones. And you just go, oh, wait, you you want to be doing this? Why? <laughs> And so I think that just I think that just throws everyone off, and I think that that comes through uh, that comes through so strongly here. All right, so all right, so where are we? <laughs> Fucking where are where we? are we plot wise? <laughs> okay, so, all right, so we got right. Okay, we so got the Flash. Maybe we should skip ahead to. Okay, so the Flash is joined in like he's he's in, but right, he's all the way in. We got Victor who shows up as Cyborg, and it's like still not sure what he's what he's going to join with the. Uh, Sure. The Justice League. Oh, but his dad, because his dad got taken. Right, his right, dad got the, taken, and he's being tra- bunch of ki- oh, right, bunch of scientists get kidnapped. Yeah. Um, and then we briefly meet J.K. Simmons. Oh God, um, he's so good as, as Commissioner Mich- Gordon. As Gordon. He's so good. He's so good, which makes me angry because J.K. Simmons already gave the greatest performance in the history of comic book movies as J. Jonah Jameson yes. in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. The one of my favorite performances in any movie is 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 um him as J. Jonah Jameson with the big cigar. Like Chloe can attest, like I, I imitate him doing this and just saying mean things to Spider Man <laughs> like two or three times a day. Really? Like anytime okay, I feel uh, the need to be stop. mean to the pa- cat pause. Thing, I'm J. Jonah Jameson. Pause. That's just all I do. I want to hear a mean thing that you would say as JK as as J. Jameson. Oh, 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 oh you think you're cute? Take ten photos. Get back to me on Monday. <laughs> so, so that's, I'll just say that. Photos, I need photos. I'll just to speed anybody up. Just like this is the hand motion. I'm being J. Jonah Jameson. He's just he's just so <laughs> like like every word of dialogue J.K. Simmons delivers in those in those movies is just <laughs> is just perfect. And it's just and it's just like and he's so good at this. 
as a completely yes. different character. It's so great. It's just it's almost like you know if you've ever seen the movie um oh what's the what's the drumming movie? Uh, um, Frank will tell us in the chat. Oh, right. The, oh, I'm I'm forgetting it's it. Pitch Perfect. It, it came out. <laughs> Like like seven years ago, I think it came, seven or eight years ago. I, I came literally out, uh, watched it within the past year. Whiplash. 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 There you go. Bam. Frank. Yeah. Thank God, Frank is there in the chat. Yeah, he's he's terrifyingly good in that. But yeah, he's a, but yeah, he's an amazing actress. Actress. He's an amazing actor, <laughs> J.K. Simmons. And yeah, he's just so good. It's just like uh, I'm Commissioner Gordon is just one of those characters you can recognize instantly. It's just like him on a roof with like stubble and like a hat. It's just like ah, I'm home. Inst- instantly at home with my with with with, with uh, Commissioner Gordon. Just, Same thing with uh, Gary Oldman in the Christopher Nolan movies. Just like ah, I'm so comfortable. He's so good. Yeah, I. You know, it's it's like in like the Nolan trilogy that they really set up like um, they really set up the character that Gary Oldman plays, and he does a really good yeah. job, like like moving his way up to being the commission being Commissioner Gordon. Um, as being like this kind of like cop who was like against like the corruption of the Gotham police force. And um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I, again, like similar to, to Batman vs. Superman, where I like really like how they established the backstory of, of, of Batman in the prologue. They just like jump right ahead to him being the Commissioner Gordon. And he's just this, he, he he's like so sick, so sick of this shit. And he's done on like, he's like, he's like almost like his last week of his job. Right. He's like, Oh, uh, like yeah, exactly. I should have been a dentist. He's just, always about to retire. My, my parents told me. Right. I mean, I think it's, that's great. I think J.K. Simmons has said it really, really well. So, okay. God, are we in the middle of the movie? I have no fucking idea at this point. Um, we're, we're somewhere in there, but yeah, no, I, uh, it's, um, it's just I always love the because I have I have a real soft spot for police procedurals. Like I love movies <laughs> which is like so Zodiac. great because you're like abolish the police, reform the police type of dude. <laughs> well, I mean, but I well, but I have a I have a soft spot for what police work is supposed to be, yes. which is paperwork. Yes, that's what police work actually is supposed to be. It's is going. <laughs> And I, I love, I love, I just, I have a re, I love movies that are about like styrofoam cups half full of cold coffee and people rubbing their foreheads like this. This is my and daily life. Folders. Yeah, I love, I love, but I love, I love that, I love that shit in in, in movies and in in, in uh, cop dramas. And Commissioner Gordon is always good for that in Batman stories. He's always like he's had no sleep and he looks horrible and i just i love that and just contrast to like i love it when like cyborg shows up and jk jk Simmons is just like okay so anyway there's a robot who controls the internet next to me but you know what i'm on three hours of sleep and i mostly you know i subsist on mouthwash at this point i know gordon so it's so relatable here i am I just I I love that grounding of of Batman stories and that in that reality. So when whenever he's okay, so that's yeah. So we get past that, and so then we get to. This is really where they should have split the movie in half if they were going to be releasing it in theaters. They, we get to the big first big, uh, most of the team is together action set piece. They go they go to the heretofore unmentioned tunnels connecting Gotham and Metropolis. Mm-hmm. We'll just decide those exist now <laughs> because one of the conceits of the Zack Snyder universe. Is that Gotham and Metropolis are like this? Mm-hmm. They're like right next to each other, which is so stupid, but so funny that I, I cannot help but embrace it. Okay, fine. You have the two biggest cities in the world that just are across a river. Fine. 
But it's okay. So there were tunnels underneath the cities, and that's where we're going to go. That's where Steppenwolf has his nest. And that's where we're going to have our, our first big big action scene as a team. So this is, is where everyone everyone gets to fight and show off their individual skills. And yeah, this is where we have to compensate for Batman, which, which is one of the, the wonderful dynamics of the Justice League. And you can say it as a story hole, but I really enjoy that, that you have to constantly compensate for Batman because he's the one without superpowers. So you have to give him the giant mechanical spider <laughs> that he can climb up walls <laughs> and punch everybody with. And then even that gets taken away from him. Even even Cy- There's the great moment where Cyborg just jumps into his gigantic mechanical tank spider and says, relax, Alfred, I got this. And Alfred goes... I- and you are who exactly? <laughs> and then Cyborg just takes over, gets to fight everyone. So that's yeah, that's the that's the the, the gigantic action beat you kind know, of in the middle of the story is is everyone versus Steppenwolf in in the tunnels under the city, trying to trying to rescue Cyborg's dad. As it turns out, and, and I think this is effective because it's, it's similar to um, to Thanos in that like you know this this dude Steppenwolf is actually like legitimately like scary. And he's like really effective at his job, so like he's he's hard to beat. True, and like it, for like MCU films, like you 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 know that the the, the main characters are going to beat the bad guys at some point down the road, right? You know that you know the guy from True Grit who's who's playing an Iron Man is going to be beaten by 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 Tony Stark in in the first movie. It's it's a it's a fuck- oh Jeff Bridges yeah Jeff Bridges right, there you go right. sorry I'm fucking drunk dude right I forgot he was an Iron Man right True, you remember True that? Grit is great folks everyone should watch should should watch True Grit literally True Grit is like yeah we were having this conversation about westerns right it's a, a true 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 Grit rules that's like a, a Coen Brothers movie that rules it's fucking great have you yeah. seen anyway, have you seen the movie really that I was recommending Hostiles with a Christian Bale I have not I saw dude you, you got to see that's, that fucking movie it's, it's so okay. good. Oh see? my god! See, before we were recording, Jeff was like, "See, we should watch more movies. We should do more movie episodes." But you've seen all the ones, and I was like, "There's plenty of movies you've seen that I haven't." And there's one that sounded really interesting, so I have to check that out. You gotta check it out, dude. It's it's got uh, Rosamund Pike and Christian Bale, and um, uh, oh God, um, I like it so far. Yeah, right, Rosamund Pike. Anyways, so f- fucking and and Christian Bale, and- who is who is. Oh, who is who is among the most attractive men who is who has ever existed? Not just the most attractive oh. men. He's probably like the best living actor who's Generation X. Anyways, we're we're, we're, we're moving on. So, <laughs> uh, so yes, J.K. Simmons is great as, as James Gordon. We get right to <laughs> all right. We get to the big fight. All right, yeah, the big the big Steppenwolf fight. We get the big step. The, the first the, of the, the first of three Steppenwolf fights. In the sewers. Fights. Yeah, that's true. And we we get to. Um, Gosh, where, where the fuck are we? Um, oh yeah, they okay. So they that's when Aquaman, Aquaman joins them at the very end. Oh, right. When they they shoot the nuke, the right, 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 right. blows up the wall. Water comes in, and that's that's when Aquaman joins them. And it's great. All very classic superhero stuff, which is great. You know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about this scene. It's like, man, this is not. Like, like there's 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 actually there's not very much deconstruction in this movie. No, you know what I mean? There's not. Like, that's that's how we used. That's how everyone used to talk about Zack Snyder and superheroes. He's deconstructing the myth of Superman. I think that was always a little. But it's good, right? But but yeah, Justice League is is um, it's 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 weird because it's long and because the imagery is very specific. But its attitude towards its superheroes is actually quite quite clean and clear and direct. Like you know, Aquaman. Oh, he was just told by his people he's got to be more important. He's got to save the day and be involved. And now here he is doing that. 
you know, but it's, it's 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 very classic. And now the team's together. And at the same time, it's like reality television. Like this guy like shows up at like the last moment, like the moment where he's supposed to show up, right, and and save the day. It's true. And this happens like throughout Justice League, which I, you know, as an aficionado of of aughts television. And, and movies like I love those moments where like the hero or the person that you don't that you least expect to come in and save the day like shows up and holds the water back in the form in the form of Aquaman here in this, this scene so it's oh my god yeah it, it, it it's, it's very good um I, I think <laughs> it's interesting because I think like Zack Snyder uses Barry and Aquaman as like the two like moments of like comic relief in the movie and we talked about barry before do you but do you think that aquaman works this this kind of like dude that's like like dropping like he's basically like a frat brother right He he's basically <laughs> like me when i was like 20 years old like being like kick ass like fuck that Strapping, yeah handsome i mean well yeah he goes without I mean, saying more more so in the whedon version more obnoxiously so and i think he i think he works here because he he mostly just wants to be left alone and gradually realizes that that's not going to be enough. But I think his 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 humor lines work well. I, I really like when they're all coming into the Batcave and like, you know, uh, you know, he already knows Wonder Woman, so they just say hello, you know, hello ma'am, how are you? Right. And and the Flash is just like giggling and pointing and everything. And all Aquaman said is, It's badass, Alfred. And says that's all he says. And like from him that's like that's the <laughs> most, that's the biggest compliment you could possibly receive. It's badass, Alfred. And that, that, yeah, that that works for me. And I love, yeah, I like, you know, for for a, a character like Aquaman, I think there inherently is not much drama you're going to pull out of that scenario. I think they do their fine. You know, Aquaman is divided between the worlds, human and Atlantean. Fine, that works. But that's Aqu- but I think that's most plot of which, Aquaman, right? The movie itself, like, right, exactly. And, and Momo, that's, Jason, that's where that more plays out. Like Jason Momoa talks talked about this, saying like, yeah, you probably didn't have to have these scenes where. Like, I have this conflict being set up here because, like, that's basically the story from Aquaman, the 2019 movie. So, anyways, I'm sorry. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, but I, I think because of that, I think what you have to do with Aqu- Aquaman has to be a a superficially pleasing character. Yeah. Because you're not going to, I think you're not going to get the real drama you get with Batman or with Cyborg in this movie. I think that's why Jason Momoa is perfect casting because Jason Momoa is just like, you look at him and go, oh, Shit, yeah, and like that's that's what that's what he's used for in this movie. So that's I think that's I think that's perfectly appropriate. And he can have his own solo movies to have his his, his own personal arc. But yeah, so yeah, so we get we we get him into the gang, and we 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 get all them together after having been defeated by Steppenwolf once. He's already taken two of the boxes. They have the third thanks to Cyborg, and now they they start they start broaching uh, the possibility of of resurrecting Superman. You know, of course, thanks to, along with your resurrection ale, which of course is the key ingredient. That's really what they should have included. They should have just oh, they should sorry. have just poured some resurrection ale right over. Yeah, it. sorry, That's they would empty they would have brought they would have brought they would have brought Superman right back. Uh, but yeah, so that that of course ends up being kind of, kind of the goal in, in in the midpoint of the movie, and you know, that fits the, the general theme very well. A lot of the story is about grief and about dealing with death and about dealing with loss. So of course, they naturally they try to literally bring someone back from the dead. That 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 fits perfectly. They go to the the Kryptonian ship to do so, and they 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 the Flash has to run super fast, use the mother box to bring Superman back, and there is this is similar in the Whedon version with the the gigantic major exception of this huge vision that Cyborg has in the process because as the as the Flash says, 
when he travels super fast, faster than this, you know, approaching the speed of light, it does crazy things to time. And so one of the ways it, it manifests is it gives people, you know, access to visions of the future. And so Soborg has this vision of the future where it turns out reanimating Superman is a terrible idea because it ends up giving more power to Darkseid when, you know, Superman is grieving for the loss of Lois Lane, which is supposed to happen in the future of the story. He would eventually join Darkseid, become part of the anti-life equation, and end up conquering Earth for him. So Cyborg has a, a vision of that before they, they, they bring Superman back. And this, yeah, this is pretty much entirely cut from, from the Whedon version. Even though it is set up in Batman v Superman, Batman has a very portentous dream about a future world reduced to an apocalypse by Superman. And uh, right afterwards, the Flash shows up and is, is, is telling him important things. So it seems like the Flash coming from a future to bring that back. All of which is very, very convoluted. But I do think, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make a Superman movie in the modern age, I do think you have to at least broach the possibility of him going bad. Mm. Because I think it's it's difficult to make him interesting for a modern audience otherwise. I have a soft spot for Superman as a character because of the context of his creation. And I think the interesting idea of Jewish creators in the 30s, given what was going on in Europe, coming with this idea of the ultimate American being an immigrant from another planet who has to recreate himself when he arrives here and is taken in by Americans, which, you know, that, that carries an extra kind of frisson of drama when you realize how many Jewish immigrants weren't being taken in by America in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Like, I think all of that is really interesting, but none of that really has anything to do with Superman himself as a character who mostly just, like, beats up the bad guy. I get why people find Superman boring in context. So to make him interesting to a modern audience, I think you, I think you at least have to tease the idea of him being a tyrant. I understand why people don't like that idea, but, like, Otherwise, he's a Boy Scout, so you really do have to at least broach the possibility of him using his world-shattering powers for evil. Yeah. Because otherwise, there's just not much of an arc there, I feel. And, you know, I think we have to, like, rewind the, the clock, right? So it's it's 2016, sure. or 2015, 2016, when, when Zack Snyder's doing this movie. We've not had the boys, right? We've not had Homelander. We have not had, um, do you, and I'm going to fuck it up. But that that horror movie where you have like the basically the dark version of Superman is like the Ultraman. They came out in twenty nineteen. Oh right, that? Bright, bright burn bright or burn. whatever yep. that movie was precisely called. correct. Yeah. yeah. So like we in twenty twenty one are watching this movie and we have this version of Superman that was created in like the mid twenty tens, and that history is important because we have spent so much time being you know essentially made to feel like that none of this shit is important we can have like these parodic versions of the of, of superheroes like superman in the form of homelander or brightburn or ultraman as he's, he's known in the movie um show up on, on screen and we're like ah that's obviously the superman person that we're supposed to take a look at and be like okay yeah that's him that's who he would be if he was evil I think the version of like the evil Superman works here, provided that you like divorce yourself from the context of what we've been exposed to culturally since you know 2021, since like 2019 when 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 Homelander first appeared in the in the Boys season one. So I found it be to, to be very affecting. Um, we're, we're talking about like the dream sequence, right? That Batman has like here, which is like something that like gets repeated. Oh no, that's the end of the film. This is from Batman versus Superman. He has a, the the dream sequence, and we we see like Batman 
and and Superman as they appear in the future in this version of 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 the Justice League, like Clark Kent like reemerges from this like resurrection chamber, which of course is like a, a series of MacGuffins which show up, and the fact that the Flash can run faster than light and can like produce an electrical charge, like you could see. You could see Zack Snyder as a filmmaker being like, okay, I've got this end state, which is I want Superman to come back, but I need to present a series of obstacles for the superheroes and the protagonists to experience before you actually get to that point where Superman ex- returns. So the first one is going to be how to produce electricity to make this happen. So you have the Flash, who can run faster than the speed of speed of light and can reverse time, which is something that will be important. That, which will become important at the end of the film. And then to have that, then the the secondary like issue being that Superman comes back, but he is confused, as Wonder Woman says, and he does not remember who he is, and he starts fighting all of the the superheroes from the Justice League who want to like bring him onto their side. And I'm curious, it was that affecting to you, or was that like kind of a artificial? drama that Zack Snyder introduced into Justice League in order to make like the stakes much more higher or was it actually like effective for you when they're fighting in front of like Superman's like statue like the broken statue that he has here in in Metropolis uh, as we see in Justice League it's difficult for me because in concept I love the idea of Superman coming back wrong and having to wrestle with his humanity and opening up the possibility of using his powers for for more evil means, because obviously that ties with you know with all kinds of uh, horror literature and themes I love, but it also ties into the the idea of Superman, which is you know obviously very similar to the idea of Jesus, of the idea of being both a human and a divine like presence, of being impossible power capture within the flawed, fragile, mortal frame of a human, and. You know, Man of Steel is is in love with that idea, maybe too in love with that idea, and kind of explicates it over and over and over again. But I do like that concept. I think the problem with it in this movie, and I think this is a problem with the Snyder movies as a whole, is it's it's more teased at than fully realized. Mm. And that it's, it's kind of isolated in this one scene where Superman freaks out upon waking up and fights the rest of the Justice League and demonstrates how much more powerful he is than all of them. And has to be brought back by his one link to humanity, which is, of course, Lois Lane. Played by the fantastically and beautiful Amy Adams. Of course, of course. Naturally. Naturally, he comes back. And yeah, and, and that leads to a lot of great things. Like, I love one section of the movie opens up with just a shot from a distance through a window of Clark and Lois arriving at the farm in Kansas. Yes. And it's just, you see through a window and they're on the wheat stalks. And it's just beautiful. Like, I mean, you know, the way Snyder handles Kansas in these movies, it's just every every shot looks like it should be like in a Wheaties ad. You know, it's just it's just it's just gorgeous. And 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 that's that 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 there's a there's there's a real effective quality towards towards him working his way back towards his humanity through his through his one leg. But yeah, it, it is a little isolated because you know you know Superman's not gonna rip shit up in this movie. And that, there is the same problem with that in, in Man of Steel, where everyone is talking in Man of Steel about, can humanity be trusted with Clark? And can you reveal your secret? And is humanity ready? What will people make of him? But there's nothing in Man of Steel to suggest that humanity is not worthy of Superman. It's all in Batman v Superman. It's where Snyder actually gets into man being terrible. And that's, as he said in interviews, that's kind of what he's inherited from comics. Because comics is, the, the structure of comic books is... Whatever we do, 
we have to be able to come up with the next issue and the next year's run of issues. So we can't finish anything. And so that becomes kind of the problem with the drama of these movies is that what's wrong with humanity can't ever be resolved but only suggested at. And what's wrong with Superman can't ever be resolved but only suggested at because we got to be ready for the next movie and we got to be ready for the next comic book issue. And there's eventually that that catches up to you and you haven't done anything which ends up being the problem towards the end of justice League we can get to when we have scenes that are just suggesting <laughs> in other movies and it's just like i'm not interested in seeing 10 percent of your puzzle piece dude i want to i want to see a story but so yeah that is that is frustrating but <laughs> but but I, I, it, you see in that cyborg vision what this was supposed to be leading to. Right. That Zack Snyder had this plan that the whole point of an alienated Superman, the whole point of a Superman with his only connection to Earth being Lois Lane is, once you sever that link, what happens? And that is an interesting, I think, direction to eventually take this story in, is you have a Superman who is naturally not connected to a world in which he doesn't have he can't relate to anybody and his one connection is taken away and you you have that as as his his overall arc and you can see that being hinted at i guess but that's all and not to skip too too far ahead i missed my burps um but the 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 idea of lois is as superman's connection to the real world right She's like the the tether between Krypton and Earth. She's the person that, for Superman and, and Clark Kent, is the one person that truly embodies why Clark Kent should care about the Earth. So that's fascinating because this this opens up a whole slew of possibilities about like the future of their after after Justice League, which um, from from reading some some interview interview material between uh for, for Zack Snyder he had planned for Lois Lane to be like if, if she died she would be like the point where Superman would be like fuck the earth I'm joining with Darkseid and would conquer the earth on behalf of Darkseid and this leads to several alternative voices of uh uh alternative versions of of the earth where like Superman joins with Darkseid and has to like fight against Batman and various other characters, which we'll get to towards the end of the movie. But yeah, um, <laughs> but it, it brings up like the real, very real problem that Lois Lane as a character is underdeveloped and also sure. brings forward like this idea that Zack Snyder originally had, but he didn't end up pursuing, which was that Bruce Wayne would become romantically involved with Lois Lane between the, what do you think about that it's great and i wish they would have pursued that i think it would have been fantastic and god i really wish that we had had this idea that bruce wayne is like superman is dead so i'm gonna like move in and like occupy like the the the, the clark kent role i said bruce wayne said that clark kent was dead and bruce wayne is gonna move in and occupy that role as being like the superman version for Lois Lane and that becomes like really like emotionally powerful for for Bruce Wayne for the future of the series and I don't know I'm sorry what do you think sir you're smarter than me oh shush I think I mean it does have the unfortunate consequence of again making Lois Lane's character mostly about how she relates to the dudes and I I do think Lois Lane is underwritten in these these series as a whole again I don't I don't think it's because Snyder is uh is like 
you know, has a misogynistic view of women the way I think Joss Whedon overall does. I think he just has a very kind of like rigid structural approach to the story of like, how how does everyone relate to Superman? And what is everyone's job in terms of Superman? And like, that's, you know, so characters can often be just kind of reduced to that role. I, I think that, again, it fits it fits the overall approach that you see Snyder setting up in Batman v Superman, where Batman embodies everything that is just kind of like petty and 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 short term thinking about humanity that he would move in on 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 Lois Lane while Superman was gone. I think it it reminds me somewhat of the Tyrion John Arya <laughs> like love triangle proposed for Song of Ice and Fire in that like. Part of me wants, like, come on, can't you think of more imaginative things to do with these characters and just have them fight over romance? But I, I do, you know, I do get the, again, conceptually, if you take it all back to Man of Steel, it is there from the very beginning that Snyder has this idea that Superman's one link to humanity is love, and his one link to humanity is this romance with Lois Lane. If you take that away, then he becomes what he really is, which is an alien who has, you know, why should he care about Earth? And I, you know, I... I, I used to be one of those people who was annoyed by that because my answer was, well, like, well, what he cares about Earth is what he was raised with his family from Jonathan and Martha Kent, who raised him in Kansas and raised him to care about humanity. But, you know, at some point, you just got to acknowledge that in this universe, and the story Snyder is telling, the reaction of the Kent parents to Superman's existence was was fear. It was like, what are, what are people going to do to my kid when they figure out what he can do? And that had a real impact on him. And I get not liking that, but it's it is consistent in universe. From a from a Bradley perspective, I think this is like the weakest part of the story because I think like the actual like courageous choices writer make is to have Bruce Wayne like move in the vacuum of Clark Kent <laughs> and try to bone right. Lois Lane, right? <laughs> okay, I, it, it's it's because. I think like we have to like super fucking divorce ourselves from of Batman, right? Of Bruce Wayne because like sure. he he's not exactly asexual because like it's heavily implied in the Dark Knight that he like fucks the living shit out of um what's her name? <laughs> um <laughs> of of Rachel. That's true. And he's 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 like hanging with like models, which is just like so like even in the Christopher Nolan verse, like this Christian Bale Batman does not seem like he fucks. It's true, but but at the same time, like he absolutely does. Like um, uh, apparently, know. okay. So like the Christian Bale in it's not the Christian Bale. It's, it's so bad. Um, the Bruce Wayne version in the Zack Snyder universe is like actually genuinely like both fuckable and also like sexual true. at the same time, right? Like it's true. In Batman v Superman, he wakes up next to a random lady at one point, like after he has one of his his portentous nightmares. He wakes up to a random lady and takes pills with her because that's this Batman, right? It's so good. Like opiate it. addict who fucks. Yeah, no, that's true. An addict no, who fucks true. is so, just like it's, so, it's that, so good. That version of Batman would move in on Lois Lane. I get. I that's true. And, and like and like is Superman consistent. is dead, right? And like he and, and like you can you can see him as a character like rationalizing that he's saving Lois Lane from being single, right? He's like that that classic like fucking like bro who's like oh uh, from from the other guys, right? Um, that the movie that naturally, came out. naturally, right? He, he's he's the guy that moves in on the widow of some. <laughs> 
for her own sake. Yeah, no, that is to that help is her. Yeah, like, to help her. But I mean, Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne is like a scary dude who you would not not want to trust with people. So that right. is that is a exactly. A, that that is a hundred that is a hundred percent true. The, like again, I think that that fits with the characters. The problem is it does redu- it does reduce this storyline to Lois Lane going, boys, boys, you can both marry me, and like eh, that's kind of lame. Like because I, I said this um I I say this more when we get to Man of Steel. Like the 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 idea of Lois Lane as a character is that she's this like cynical city girl who's like a mile an hour mile a minute Spitfire. And, like, that blows Clark Kent's mind because he's from Kansas. And he's just used to farm girls who say nice things and have their prayers. And now there's, like, this chain-smoking reporter who's using swear words. And he's like, whoa, this kind of lady. I got to help my game. Like, that's the fun of Clark Kent and Lois Lane. And that is, like, completely missing from this version of the character where she really is just the one person Clark Kent likes. And you can see Snyder trying to give her her own scenes in this version of the movie. Like, I really do like the scene with her and Martha Kent, where they're talking like, all these assholes are, like, worshipping a symbol, and we knew this guy. Yeah. And we miss our, we miss our son, we miss our husband, but no one can treat him like that, because he's Superman. He's a symbol. I really like that scene. Yeah. And that's a very sweet scene. And then Martha Kent turned into the Martha, Martian Manhunter. So, so there's that. But so uh, there are there are those those nice emotional scenes. But the, like the core of the Lois Clark like dynamic is supposed to be like this screwball banter that I don't think Zack Snyder can quite do. He he can. It, it, it's kind of sad. And, and you know, to be totally honest, I don't think that Christopher Nolan could do it either, because like the weakest parts of the Dark Knight trilogy are the parts with Rachel in it. I. I I have to be brave enough to say that, right? Because, like, even if it's um, fucking Tom Cruise's ex-wife, it's that's terrible that I would remember her, her name. What? Oh, right. She's the one in Batman Begins, yeah. right? Uh, Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, yes. Yes, from the CW's. In Batman Begins. And then it is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal. In, in, the, uh, in the Dark Knight. Those are the weakest parts yeah, of the f- movie, right? As much that's as, a like, thankless role. No, it because is. You can just tell. It's not. It's not you their can just fault. Tell, like it's the script's fucking fault. It's really fault. not. It's Jonathan Nolan's fault. Christopher Nolan's trying. He's he's trying. Christopher Nolan's trying real hard. You can even see it as recently as Tenet, where he's trying so hard to give uh, Elizabeth uh, Debicki's character, who's hot, like some <laughs> true. That's that's why she's there. But she's she's trying to give her some weight. So like when one character says the entire world's gonna end, she says, including my son. In Tenet, because like Christopher Nolan's tried to give her something to work with, right? But Christopher Nolan's one of those one of those men like Stannis Baratheon who looks as who looks at women like they're this different species, and it's like I don't know how to handle you or your weird language that you speak. And like, let's give credit to Zack Snyder. That's not the case with Zack Snyder. Like, you you don't make sucker punch if you think of women as a, as another species you can't handle. I think Zack Snyder's view of, of women in action might be kind of silly and old fashioned in his own way, but. For Nolan, it's like, yeah, no. If you go back to the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, yeah, the 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 romance angle there, so bad with it's that so character, it's like is, is really bad. It's so bad. Uh, yeah, I I have such a, a tough time with those movies because there's 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 such the Dark Knight specifically contains such competent filmmaking in so many arenas, but then there there are parts of it that so blatantly don't work. It's it's really hard. 
but but like you know like the the, the rotten tomato score is like so high because like people are like okay we can accept that these parts of the movie don't work, but still, like, look at the camera work that's going on that Christopher Nolan... And it's so fast. Like, that's what makes The Dark Knight work, is, like, like the editing is just, like, moving, and the soundtrack is like... So you don't think. So it's just designed for you to not think about anything that's happening. Wait, why is the Joker doing this thing on the boat, and why is this like... No, 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 shh! And it didn't work with the third one, The Dark Knight Rises, because that was trying to be smart. And that everyone was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Which is too bad. Because I love I love Tom Hardy. We're way off track now, but I love Tom Hardy's Bane. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's he's awesome in that movie. He's just like that moment when he rests his hand like when he rests his hand on the dude's shoulders, goes, Do you feel like you're in charge? Do you feel like he's you're just, in charge? <laughs> it's it's amazing, but the, like the Dark Knight Rises, even more than like Zack Snyder movies get uh, taken to the Woodhouse for biting off more than they can chew and having more things than they can handle. But the Dark Knight Rises, that is a movie that that is has no idea what it wants to say, but is trying to say everything very all loudly. the time. They have to say it very loudly. Very loudly, it's it falls. Flat on its face, I think considerably more than the Zack Snyder movies. So, you know, that's, I guess that's something uh, to bear in mind. Oh, we'll have to do like a, we'll have to go through the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy at some point down the road for the Not a Cast podcast. So, oh my God, like where are we in this movie? Anywho. The actual movie. All right, all right, okay. So, wait, so, 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 comes so we, back. Uh, all right, I'm gonna try to let my very intoxicated mind at this point try and like piece our way through. So we're. So, so, so we're at the, the, the so we resurrected Superman, which has been done by Cyborg and done by his, no, it's not, his dad didn't have a part of it. Um, his dad did the thing where he sacrificed right, right, himself. Right, 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 because, because uh, Steppenwolf shows back up and like he sacrificed, <laughs> this is one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm just going to accept this because this is a movie and I right. like movies, and I love to watch movies, and you know, Victor's dad sacrificed himself because the plot requires it, him to sacrifice himself in order to make his the the where where the uh, I, I keep wanting to call them the Infinity Stones, where the <laughs> the mother box, the mother is box the most, is being held, the yes. most Freudian thing imaginable. Like that's also, that's also the problem with adapting comic books is comic books are full of weird sex stuff, so you end up with things called mother boxes. <laughs> Shall we think about that for even five seconds? I don't but want anyway, to. yeah, I don't so, want to. I don't, no, I don't want to like into Freud too much. It's a movie about. It's also a movie about parents and children, so it doesn't make it easy. But it's anywho. It's funny, like you know, Batman versus Superman is about mothers, and Justice League is now about fathers, and Man of Steel is about fathers. But you had to have the fathers, mothers, fathers. So it's like the next movie, which is not going to happen, going to be about mothers again. I don't know. <laughs> On and off. It's like the prologues in the Aswath, how it's like north of the wall, south of the wall, north right. of exactly. the wall, south of the exactly. wall. Exactly, exactly. That, that's what we're dealing with here. Okay, okay. So, so. Okay, so. So, right. So, so he, uh, Victor Stan sacrificed himself because Sepulchre shows up at the lab. <laughs> and right. so he to burns get, himself with the get. electron laser and like. So to embody again, I'm just following the movie's logic. I'm not following my own logic. So like you can find out what the hottest thing in the world has been fried by the electron laser. And so in order to find this with a satellite, and thankfully Bruce Wayne, as a the president of Bruce of, of Wayne Enterprises, has 
the the ability to look for these things, I guess, with an electromagnetic like telescope, and they find out that this is taking place east of Moscow in a, I, I guess, in like a Cher- Chernobyl type place right is that where we're supposed to like which is also what happens in tenet which i think is hilarious that's also where the villain in tenet is from i don't know why this is the thing now that we've just like we're i don't know where we're like we're far enough from the cold war that we can look back and go oh yeah that was real shitty huh i guess that that's just our thing now russian nuclear towns is now is now which is blockbusters use but yeah okay so yeah they they tracked down steppenwolf this is like all right we gotta we gotta we gotta get all together we're, we're gonna go bring the fight. I mean, while Superman is doing his um, his uh, his thing at home with Lois Lane, uh, there's there's a real specific thing that re- that is like so representative of the Whedon of the Whedon version of this movie being terrible, where in in the Snyder version, um, uh, when Superman first speaks up, Lois says, "Oh, you spoke," and Superman says, "Did I not before?" And in the Whedon version, it's Lois going, "Oh, you smell good." And then Superman goes, oh, did I not before? Oh, that's hysterical. What a, what a, what a funny joke. That's absolutely worth breaking the drama of the scene. Did I, did I not smell good before? Like, like that's the, that's the, 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 you know, the Whedon version. It's not just that they're trying to make a joke. It's just like everything has to not mean anything anymore. And we have, we have to just, just, just suck away at all. It's, it's just terrible. Again, never see it. Never, never sully your eyes with it, sir. It's not worth your time. I feel like that I would probably watch it at some point down the road in order to be to be completist completionist when it comes to these things I would need to find out like what what I actually did not see originally and that's fair for a completionist's purpose I understand but, but I'm not but but I'm not yeah it, it sounds really bad right because I feel like that the version that I saw, like, made sense. I, I, I feel like I... <sighs> I understood, like, where, where, like, Snyder's vision was coming from. And that was, that was good. And at the same time... <laughs> you have to accept... You have to accept the movie's logic. Which I, I feel like... I, I feel like maybe before the, the start of the pandemic, we would be like... No, no, no. I need this to make actual sense. And like in the year 2021 in March, we're like, fuck it. I'm cool with like <laughs> like accepting the movie's version of Bruce Wayne having a satellite that can find the heat signature that had been left by Victor's father who had sacrificed himself because he had to have known that his son would try and find where... I keep wanting to call it the Infinity Stone. Infinity Stone, the the box. I'm just gonna call it the box. Sure. Yeah, where the box is. I'm all about the box. Where the box was there and had to superheat the box in order to put the electron laser so that Victor would find the box. And because Bruce Wayne was with him, and it doesn't matter. It does. It it doesn't fucking matter. the The point is, is that they find out that they're they're east of Moscow, and in in Chernobyl, Russian Chernobyl. Because Chernobyl took place in, in the Ukraine, and they decide that they have to attack the box. But of course, Steppenwolf has gathered all three boxes now. But with the first two boxes, he's been able to construct a defensive structure around the nuclear power plant that they have. So yeah, all right. It's it's all you know. It's 
It's it's the difference between a plot that exists for its own sake and a plot that exists for a, for a metaphorical purpose. And I think in the Whedon cut of of Justice League, it 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 was it was just that blatant, like oh, let's go to the place to get the things to beat the bad guy, and it just felt so limp and meaningless like that. And I think the Snyder cut adds that other layer of these characters are trying to address the people they have lost and trying to give their sacrifice some weight. And I think that a lot of a lot of the criticisms start to feel small by comparison, hmm. and I think that's something that sets in when real sincerity exists. Like I, in, in, in kind of preparation for watching the the full Snyder cut of Justice League, I was like, "What's another movie that is like uh, all over the place and maligned by a lot of people, but the full director's version gives it a lot of more juice and a lot of more meaning?" And there's Watchmen. the movie Southland Tales, okay, right. also Watchmen. <laughs> But so the movie Southland Tales, and if you're not familiar with it, uh, a lot of people are familiar with the movie Donnie Darko. Yes! That was a, a cult hit. So the director of Donnie Darko is named Richard Kelly, and Southland Tales was his follow-up to Donnie Darko. And it was it was despised when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it went to, to the Cannes Film Festival and got just booed. <laughs> Everyone just kept standing ovation, just boo. And it didn't make it much money on uh, on the American side. It was cut down in the same way Justice League was just was was just cut to shreds. And I love that movie, and I've I got it in its full version, the the con cut now in its full glorious restored two and a half hour version. And that is also a movie that is is all over the place in terms of plot and has extra graphic novels you're supposed to buy if you want to understand the full thing. And like Donnie Darko, it's just like clearly just like just overexertion, and it's, just, it's never going to fully add up. But there is just such a a love of the filmmaking and the process and the, and the 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 actors and how they're enjoying themselves and it reminds me of this and there's just a a great great bit in Southland Tales where it's just like one camera following along everyone all the characters in this gigantic futuristic zeppelin that's being piloted by Wallace Shawn as he takes a bunch of drugs and dances in front of an American flag and a Black Rebel Motorcycle Club song plays. And it's just ridiculous, but it's just, there's such there's just such love of the process itself and everyone getting together to make this movie. And that same thing, I think, for me exists here in, in, the, in the climax to Justice League, whereas, like, the plot is trying to stop these cgi assholes in their three boxes and i don't give a shit about that but all of the boxes all of the boxes but just the process of watching all of this energy and talent and love being put towards making this silly thing as big as it can possibly be and there's just there's something i love about that there's something i love about like that circus atmosphere of this is silly but fuck you like i just (laughs) I don't know. There's, there's. As I get older, there's part of me just loves that more and more. Just that we, this is, this is ridiculous. But we're gonna act like it's the most important thing on earth because that's all anything is is taking ridiculous things and acting like they're important. And I, I, I definitely, I, I, I felt that when they were when you get the entire Justice League going in to fight Steppenwolf in this silly town, and it's just. It it doesn't it doesn't mean anything in terms of what Steppenwolf's plan actually is, but it means something in terms of Bruce Wayne who made this promise to Superman, and Cyborg who wants to have his relationship to his family mean something, and same thing with the Flash and the Wonder Woman Aquaman sticking up for their people, and that we've we've in the middle of this nonsense we've somehow accessed something real. I think that was 
that 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 was that touched my heart. I have to admit. You're right. It it it, it touches my heart and and other places. Um, you you know, <laughs> fuck that too. Yeah. Um, we I was saying this in pre-production before we came on air, but like the battle scenes in in this movie. This also goes for Batman versus Man and the Man of Steel. Is that they're not like super affecting? Like you're not watching. You're not on like the height of like the edge of your seat, like wondering whether these characters are going to make it out alive. But that's okay sure. because you're wondering whether they're going to succeed or not. And I think that the fact that they're like wondering if they're if success is something that is on the horizon or whatnot is is an important like plot point and you, you know like I, you know it's also like in pre-production we we're talking about this it's like batman of all of the justice league is like the most useless character right character there right <laughs> he's driving around in his little fucking batmobile like shooting bitches and like not really like doing anything besides driving around and shooting people but you know like he he serves a purpose and you know uh, the next year up is you know uh, cyborg who is able to like fly around and shoot people, and like the Flash like is able to like run as fast as he possibly can, and like the fact that he can run so fast provides an electrical current which fuels cyborg in order to like change like the <laughs> the the cubes, and that's interesting. And you know I I I I like it and. I, I like that I don't care a huge amount about the action. I don't have to care about like whether it makes like actual logical sense. I can just like enjoy sitting back and letting my lizard brain absorb action. And <laughs> I, I like the MCU as much as the next person, but I enjoy, you know, just letting myself like sit back and being like, I'm watching a movie. Like I, I don't know if that's like something that actually exists or not, but I love like the experience of watching a movie as opposed to like watching cinema, where I have to like think about like all of the things that I'm like absorbing in my mind. Well, I, I'm always, I'm I'm always very divided on this question of whether things make sense or not, because like I think for certain movies that are very plot-driven and are in genres that are very focused on specific plot details, you do need things to add up if you want things to be worth revisiting. For police procedurals, like we were talking about earlier, for heist movies, for for thrillers of various kinds, like it is, it is work, like, you know, for The Dark Knight, for example, like a very kind of differently paced movie than something like the uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think it's, you know, you... It's it's worthwhile poking out details in the dark net because it's, it's it's you're supposed to be hunched in the present moment trying to figure things out. But another part of me is like we go to movies to surrender our logic to a certain extent and to give ourselves over to emotion and like I just I just get very sad when I read things like about like Twin Peaks: The Return, for example, like oh. But why did character X not do thing Y when that would make the most sense? And I'm like, that's really what you're thinking about when you're watching something? Is like, whether this is 
whether you would be able to describe this logically to a person later. Like, feel something, man. Come on. Like, you know, try to experience something that the creators are trying to get across to you stylistically and aesthetically. And I, I definitely felt that here. And I feel like if you find yourself, you know, asking logical questions, it's because you're not being engaged. You know, it's because you're not being swept up in the in the the fabric of the universe and you're like you're you're sitting back like all right i guess i gotta poke around the edges of this because you're because you're not being swept up because the movies we all love best in the world don't actually make that much sense either right if you break them down there's plenty of illogical decisions being made in the godfather 2001 a space odyssey is nothing but plot holes that's plot hole the movie because nothing is ever explained and yet that movie is is endlessly beloved like it's not it's not actually about that unless there's nothing else going on. And I think some of the kind of more, oh, shocked positive reactions to just Zack Snyder's version of Justice League is there is something else going on. Does that, does that cover up all of the flaws? I don't, you know, of course not. But, but that sense of a, of a real kind of attempt at, at, at spiritual release is something I also love about, about, uh, about Southland Tales and about a lot of other movies that I think are, are, easily maligned because they're messy but are are reaching for something real and i think i'll I'll always i'll always try to invest in those and and this is a weird case because it's it is still a blockbuster made with huge ip characters but it's it's such a weird case of being half a blockbuster and half a personal artistic statement it's it's such a weird such a weird case (laughs) it 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 is a weird case and i and i think like if you're looking for a movie to make sense logically, I think you're you're looking for a documentary, and even then, like you're not like recognizing that documentaries are like filling the the gaps with editing. And anyways, so all right, so we're moving into the the actual final battle, which which occurs with with Superman showing back up and preventing the death of Wonder Woman. Am I remembering that correctly, or is it Batman? It's Cyborg. Cyborg, right, 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 right. So their actual their plan is to get Cyborg. Again, a lot of it ends up the plot ends up centered on Cyborg, which is great. So the plan is for to get Cyborg into the the Mother Box space, their kind of you know astral digital space, and break them apart before they can uh, destroy the world. And the plan is to for the Flash with his superpowers to get Cyborg into that spot. So they go fight Steppenwolf in his plane. Each, you know, every character does their individual thing that they're very good at, but then they individually start losing. And at one point, they just straight up lose. And mm-hmm. the Flash has to reverse things and go back in time, which is, of course, very relevant to the theme because he brings up stuff his dad said earlier about, you know, forgetting the, the past and reshaping your own future. But he's literally traveling into the past to reshape his future. So that right. fits the themes of grief and characters dealing with their past very well. And he launches Cyborg into the digital space where he confronts the Mother Boxes. And the Mother Boxes themselves seem to try to lure Cyborg in with the promise of, you know, of restoring his human self. And he accepts himself as he is and breaks them apart. So there's your theme. He helps helps with Superman. <laughs> and then they, um, uh, through a portal while Darkseid is watching, they have Wonder Woman behead Steppenwolf in slow-mo. The most, again, the most Zack Snyder thing ever to happen. So erotic. Um, Sorry. It's perfect. Yeah, again, it... It is though. It is. It is erotic, and there is that. There is again that 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 thing with Zack Snyder. And if you go back to watch Three Hundred, or you watch like the the sex scene set to Hallelujah in Watchmen, where it's like this is kind of awkward, 
But also, it's a sincere, explicit sex scene in a mainstream movie. And man, those are rare nowadays. Because at some point, Hollywood decided that just adults don't have sex. I guess we're just going to decide that that's a thing that's happened. And now just most studio movies just go forward with that kind of general neutered assessment. And you know it's it's rare that blockbuster films of this scale kind of address that part of it, and that 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 is kind of an interesting presence in the Zack Snyder world. Uh, but yeah, so you get the 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 delightful uh, beheading of Steppenwolf and the, the the setup for the next movie, the next movie that was supposed to happen, where where Darkseid himself would come to confront Superman and his allies on the planet for the anti life equation. Uh, that was that was. That was supposed to be the the future of of the of the Justice League movies. The the I believe it was a five part trilogy. I think that is the the Zack Snyder phrase that everyone's making fun of. Which I think is a Song of Ice and Fire fans. We don't get to make fun of that because we are dealing with what is going to be a seven part trilogy ourselves. So really, who are we to judge? Yeah. So the original idea was like a five five movie trilogy, which would have the lowest lane Batman romance and would result in to skip a little bit ahead to, to Superman having a, like being corrupted by dark side and, you know, being his agent on the earth, which would result to the death of the earth. But then you would have the flash would be able to reverse time, which is something we saw in the justice league. And, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce Wayne sacrificing himself to save Lois Lane and uh, that leading to, uh, yeah, that leading to, to Superman not being corrupted by Dark Side and having Lois Lane. It's like the right his tether to 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 the Earth. And <laughs> again, you have to accept like a little bit of movie logic here in these sorts of things because it's not just Lois Lane that is like his, you know, tethered to Earth. It's also his mother, Martha, you know, who's also like that tether as well. Play really well by by diane lane but but yeah so you know you have all sorts of setup for like the future of the dceu and it's to me it feels compelling as like a something that like zach center had like actually like invested the time to set up both in terms of the individual movies as well as to the like shared justice league type universe so I think it's like compelling and I'm kind of, and I'll toss it over to you. Maybe this will be our closing question for the night. Do you think it's like compelling that uh, the the universe that was set up here as like individual films and as like joint like adventure style Justice League films, or is it just kind of a dud? I think the idea of Batman having to try to rework time to sacrifice himself is extremely in keeping with his character. Because, you know, Batman is a character as obsessed with sacrifice and martyrdom and death and fear and suffering himself to save other people. So I think if if it had been allowed to carry out at the pace the Snyders had envisioned it, I think that's interesting that you have, like, Superman sacrificing himself but then being brought back to life. But then Batman has to sacrifice himself for real uh, to make the universe okay. I think that fits those characters actually pretty well. I think it's it's just it's it's so funny because that is the kind of story that gets told in comic books a lot these days. But you know, comic book storytelling is just is kind of a convoluted mess. 
and the process of translating comic book storytelling to movies has usually been the process of hacking away all the comic book-specific things about it and trying to make it into a version that can fit a mass audience. I think that's that's generally what most directors have tried to do. Zack Snyder is like the only one who's tried to like translate comic book storytelling directly to movie making. I don't think it's been entirely successful, but I think it's it's a wild experiment. You know, it's just you know all these these characters in these movies are always just like wandering around the ruins of things and wandering around like broken museums, and that's kind of what watching these movies feels like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're just like walking in these grand, beautiful broken places and being like let's let's look through the fragments of these artistic things and see see what remains that's that's kind of the feeling i think you're right and you know i think that zack snyder's justice league ultimately succeeds because it tells a grand story and it does it in a way that we as an audience can understand like the the development of the story the lead up to the main action sequences and ultimately to the conclusion of the story, which is where you have the formation of the Justice League and you have Superman showing up and the future of Superman being going bad, going rogue, going bad. And then you have like the, the also setups as well of of the, the Flash and Batman going back in time and saving humanity from all from like, the mistakes that, that Bruce Wayne made because he was boning you know lois lane which i understand because it is amy adams and i would also make that mistake See, this is this is what booze truly brings out of jeff <laughs> is, 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 My his, type. is his lust is his lustful side it's it's truly truly terrifying truly i love it i love it <laughs> no, no, no of course not no, I no, I agree. I would love, I would love to see more uh, Zack Snyder movies in the DC universe. I honestly would. I think because it's, it's it's clear and it's consistent. It's its own universe, and I would love to see payoff to the stuff that we get at the end of this movie, where we see the post-apocalyptic universe and Batman forced to team up with uh, with the Joker and Deathstroke. Uh, I, yeah, I would, I would absolutely l- uh, love to see that expanded because I mean, it's um, right. Which one is like then, see like then it becomes post-apocalypse, which right. is my you know my favorite genre. So I can't go, I can't possibly resist that. I, what are you shooting by the way? Oh, um, effing vodka. Oh, effing, straight vodka. Effing vodka. Effing vodka. Mm-hmm. That's good. Usually Chloe orders from a distillery near us, but we were in between, um, so I went out to the liquor store and just grabbed the the nicest looking bottle I could find. That's a it's a really for this. It's a, goddamn good looking bottle of vodka sir mm, so not bad at all mm. yeah uh, everyone in the everyone in the comment is reacting to jeff's thirst you know i don't the, understand the, like the, Adam, Amy, the man has children folks where did you think they came from you think right he just like snapped his fingers and they do, emerged from do the you ether? think i'm like a part of the mcu come on motherfuckers like <laughs> hell no ah <sighs> so yes I, you know, I, I found the end of the movie, like, really affecting. The battle scenes were, like, eh, whatever. I mean, you expected the Justly to, like, actually succeed. But I, I thought the emotional heart of the movie was the end where you have Victor putting to putting the tape recorder back together and having his father reveal yeah. what it means to be a, a father as well as a scientist. And I think that's... Uh, I agree. Yeah. I thought that was that was really affecting for the story, and I think it made a a very, and and, and I love the fact that like the the 
the dialogue was overlaid with different scenes from different characters in in the movie and they yep. made it really like emotionally affecting that's where i feel like it should have ended right there uh, like like the, act, the act the later scenes with the joker and lex luthor were fine whatever but like as a single story like the specifically the line i i'm your father twice over because mm. like that again that's so meta because this is a movie that's been directed twice by Zack snyder like he had to make it again and that's what cyborg's father was telling him i i brought you into the world and i brought you into the world again right and that's a I think that's that, that's just that's that that's a, a lovely sentiment. I think that one that 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 resonates through the, the the rest of these these characters. Like Wonder Woman said, I'm learning to open up again. It's it's an ongoing process. And what is what is Batman as a character but uh, slowly gradually learning to open back up again? And I think that that that, that adds a real a real resonance to it. And like you know, I don't I I probably I think the odds are against any more Zack Snyder DC movies, but that's fine. I think. I think this is a perfect way to wrap up this this the the insane controversy that has been this film franchise and say okay we got there we got to what we were trying to accomplish and now we have it and now it's there and now whatever whatever insanity comes forward from this I think we reached a still point where we could stop and take in what the story was supposed to be and I'm glad I'm I am glad we got there I'm glad we got there as well and I think Humanity is bettered by the fact that we got a four-hour version of this movie that no one liked to begin with, and a movie that was demanded by an audience. And it's weird, but I feel like it hits the sweet spot between original artistic version as well as what the fans really wanted. So, great. I'm so glad that, that Zack Snyder's the Justice League exists in the world. And, you know, I I, I enjoyed it, ultimately. I, I, I liked it. I, I I felt emotions. And, and I feel like when I watch a movie, that's ultimately what I want. So I want to f- feel something. I want to experience something about the human experience. And I did. And that's not always the case with a lot of movies that get made these days. What are your final thoughts on, on Justice League? Zack Snyder's Justice League, rather. I think it could be a great gateway drug to loving movies Hmm. because I think that for whatever praises you want to give the MCU movies, I don't think they incite a love of movies in themselves. And I think that's what Martin Scorsese was talking about when he made his his much oft-quoted criticisms of the superhero movies. I think that's what he was trying to get at. It's like, these don't make you love movies. These don't make you interested in movies. These don't make you go out and seek other movies. These don't make you ask and talk to other people about movies. They're just things you watch while you're eating Doritos and you're <laughs> on your phone and then you move on with your night. And that's not the case for Justice League. And I think there are, you know, I think it's 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 a long shot to compare this to to truly, you know, insane, insanely deep intellectual artistic movies. But I think it is connected to those things. Like I was saying, there's a connection to you know a, a Tarkovsky movie, and there's there's no one more intellectual or pretentious in, in filmmaking than Tarkovsky. So for me, I like I picture this movie at like the the hub of a uh, the hub of movie making at the at the center of, of 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 crazy commercial stuff and artistic stuff and stuff that gets taken away from you and stuff that gets given back. I think this is 
this represents, I think, where we are, for better or worse. I think you're absolutely right. It, it, we, this is where we're at, we're at right now, where we can, at one level, achieve like in a director's vision of of a story. At the same time, we can demand that directors that that the director's vision of a story actually gets shown on screen as it actually occurred. And is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Uh, give me another four or five years before we uh, figure that out. <laughs> so whether that's Only actually get good the or next bad. Two. I when mean, Zach like Zack Snyder finishes his five part trilogy in isolation. <laughs> it seems like pretty fucking awesome that an auteur's like director's vision of how he wants to visualize something on screen has actually been shown as opposed to the corporatized Joss Whedon sexual harassment version, you know, came into being. Yeah, fuck it. I'll get sued by Joss Whedon. I don't fucking care. Uh, and that that's awesome. And at, at the same time, we always look at these things. We have to consider whether like that's actually good for the long term. And we'll see what happens in 2025 when we're both, you know, <laughs> old very old at that point so yeah it'll be all sorts of uh, good stuff uh, let's get there as uh, Chloe says ask me in 10 years alright so I think that's going to close us out for this analysis slash slosh version slash review of the Snyder Cut of Justice League I hope you all have enjoyed these types of things again we really appreciate it and we appreciate all the people who have tuned in to this which is not what we normally do in our, our regular weekly episodes where we cover a song of ice and fire chapter by chapter as always please rate and review us on apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud podbean spotify anywhere everywhere you find podcasts you can check out our patreon at patreon.com slash not a cast a s o i a f you can follow us on twitter at not a cast a s o i a f or shoot us an email at not a cast a s o i a f at gmail.com you can find me at poor quentin on twitter or at poor so clear how do you do that uh you can find me at brendan beefish on twitter brendan beefish on, tw- on reddit and my website is wars and politics vice and fire wordpress.com com. so join us next week for a clash of kings Tyrion 15 in which Tyrion lannister concludes a clash of kings and we get onwards to is the story of a storm of swords which is essentially what happens in this chapter it could be a, a storm chapter it could be a clash chapter it could be both it is both is basically a bridge onwards to uh, to Tyrion's Storm of Swords storyline. So, yes, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for all of you for participating and chatting in our, in our live stream. Sorry for my drunk fucking ass. And we will talk to you next week in A Clash of Kings, Tyrion fif- 15. There we go. Yeah. 15. Gosh. Fucking 15. He, he's apologizing for the appeal of the episode, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Who can keep Jeff down? Very soon. No one can. Except Damn right. Me. Damn right, brother. Well, again, as Jeff said, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be back with uh, Tyrion's Fever Dream to wrap up his storyline with Clash of Kings uh, next week. Thank you so much. 